If that song doesn't want you to get into your own montage someday and start working out, then you are fucking dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> we got to do a special little intro there for our guest, so uh, we hope he enjoyed that. Yeah, let me shut the gullwing door of my Ferrari and get back in the studio. <laughs> yeah, put on your ocelot uh, a coat. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> All right, so welcome to the GGTMC. As I said, uh, we are back this week. We uh, brought along special guest Chris B from across hey, the pond. Nice. There he is. It's good to have him on the show. Finally, uh, this show is part of our Kickstarter campaign, and uh, Chris has been a long time friend of the show now. So it's good to finally get him on here and talks movies. So yeah, definitely good to good to speak to you guys as well. Yeah, and uh, of course, across uh, the border is uh, good pal Big Willie. We'll be rocking and rolling. Like I said, he's got the ocelot on. He's, uh, you know, fuck that political record of shit. <laughs> Little almond nut crunch in the morning. <laughs> be careful. Don't get any of that uh, on the uh, jacket there, man. <laughs> the matted ocelot hair. <laughs> not a good thing. Yeah, not good. But, uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> and I got to think. Uh, let me just thank publicly that special sly Anything there? He knows who he is. I won't give it away. I'll see if anybody can uh, figure out who that one is. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, but I personally thanked him yesterday with a hug. So there we go. Um, maybe that'll give it away a little bit, but I don't know. Were you in the passenger seat of the Ferrari? Yeah. <laughs> in an empty parking lot? Yeah. A hug, you say? It was a hug. <laughs> You were uh, hugging something. <laughs> Ooh, Two hands, a, a potato. <laughs> it's were funny. you uh, fully clothed when you were hugging? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so only partially, and then I was only hugging from the uh, the thigh down. Sorry, man. In, in, in mock celebration of this individual. Um, all right, so this week, Chris has uh, programmed the show, and he's picked a couple of doozies. 
to say the least. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got uh, Pumping Iron from 1977, the uh, documentary, the infamous documentary for some, but uh, we'll be talking about that in a little bit. A little Swatsenaga, a little uh, little wrong advices, wear your papers. Uh, and, uh, man, I would have died if he just said wear your papers in that movie. I would have died. <laughs> And uh, the other film, uh, pretty similar in some ways, <laughs> uh, Samurai Cop from 89, little Amir Shervan. Shervan? Shervan. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's back on the show, baby. And um, yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. That'll be an interesting conversation all in itself. Um, we always do what we've been watching. Let's get to that. We always defer to the guests first. So, Chris B., what have you been watching, buddy? Okay, uh so earlier in the week I saw Gangs of Wasipur part two. Nice. Um was so lucky enough that my local cinema was showing parts one and two one week after each other. Um so the week before I sat down and watched part one and this week saw part two. Um uh Will, have you seen part two yet or not? Sadly, I've not, and I, I was oh. just thinking about this actually last night because I know you had seen it, and I'm just like, man, I got to see it, and I got to get around to it in the next few weeks or so. How was it? I take it you really, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 definitely worth seeing, definitely. Uh, I don't want to say too much because you haven't seen it, but it it's just it kind of ramps up everything to the next level almost. There's it's kind of more brutal, uh, more full on. And yeah, it's just kind of continuing that kind of epic storyline of of those families that are still kind of warring after all these years, and it sort of come brings it all to a kind of conclusion. And yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, uh, kind of up there with some of the great kind of epics. Like, I think, did you compare it to The Godfather and stuff like that? It's, yeah, or even like, um, yeah. I think I'd said. Um it's sort of a unique version, but I thought I felt it was more like a Scorsese film than yeah than, than Coppola. Yeah, 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 kind of from probably a bit more like Goodfellas or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But the son, um, the the son takes over. Like uh, I can't remember the the mustache bald man, the wild yeah. man of the first one. I think his son play uh, his one son plays a more prominent role in the second one, doesn't he? Yeah, because again, we might saying too much. Yes, because the I, events at the end of part one, part two, then leads into. Basically, all of his all of his sons, because he's got like kind of five sons, so it's following their continual story, really, um, nice. and what happens with with them and and the other kind of players in in this uh, kind of gang war, um, struggle for power, as it were. Uh, and yeah, it, it doesn't really pull any punches. It's there. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, definitely uh, put it sort of higher up on your kind of to watch list definitely. I will do that now yeah um, uh, so then I also watched uh, Detox starring uh, Sylvester Stallone yes <laughs> aka uh, I see you it's also, yes. that's what it's also known as I see you with an E-Y-E <laughs> what would you, um, you think of this because uh, I have I have opinions on it it, I've not seen it before, mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to watch a sly film that I hadn't seen, and it was it was kind of confusing because it starts off and you think, oh, it's going to kind of go down the sort of seven route almost, where Sly's a kind of FBI guy going after a serial killer, mm-hmm. and it takes this kind of weird turn, 
yeah. um, and ends up being like a kind of the thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> plus Sly. <laughs> yeah. But the thing, the thing plus Sly minus any kind of alien kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. It, it was good, but it yeah. wasn't, I don't know. It just didn't kind of, there wasn't anything that made me think, yeah, this is a, a great movie. I don't, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it sort of struggled a bit. I, I think because it kind of really struggled to, to have this kind of that straight kind of sense of what it was, it sort of starts off as one thing and then turns into another. And and I think as a viewer, you're just sort of left a bit confused, like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's the problem with the film. If there's a problem with the film, it's that it doesn't really know what it is. Yeah. But I'll have to say, outside the fact that it's a little long, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised and entertained by the, the weirdness of the movie. <laughs> uh, it's got a great cast yeah, as well. You know, yeah. Robert Pat- Robert Patrick's in there, Chris Christopherson, um, Charles S. Yeah. Dutton, I think so. Oh, there, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's got it's got a good cast. It, it's it's really strange. It's a strange little film that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I was somehow entertained by the thing. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um. So then, uh, this sort of stuff I've been watching over the past couple of weeks, really. Um, I watched Into the Abyss, the Herzog um, prison death row documentary. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it's kind of strange that a uh, documentary about death row is kind of, well, I guess it's not strange in a way, but it's, so, it's kind of more about life than death. Mm. Um and it's just the way that Herzog goes about kind of presenting the facts. And I think I've said this on the board before when I was watching the um, the TV show spin-off. It's, it's really well done in that he doesn't kind of impart any of his judgment on the actions that these people have done, really. And he just sort of lets the events kind of speak for themselves and let these people kind of have a forum to kind of talk about their feelings, about what how they've got into these positions and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, really interesting, uh, documentary. Um, have either of you guys seen that one? Or? I want to, I just, I haven't yet. And I, I think I, I'm glad to hear that he, um, he does that as far as just kind of hands off in some ways as, in terms of, um, guiding it from a personal belief standpoint, because it would be very easy with, with, um, something as, um, emotionally involved as that subject matter to direct it uh, as you see fit, uh, morally, politically, etc. So I'm glad he doesn't. And he's, I, I have a lot of respect for Herzog anyway. I, I wouldn't expect anything less from someone as great as him. Yeah. Sadly, I haven't seen it yet either, but I know, I believe Zom dug it quite a bit. So I've meant to get yeah. around to it, but I just haven't got around to it. Yeah, cool. Um, and then the last one that I wanted to talk about was. Uh, I know Awesome Fabian's a fan of this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, Phantom Raiders. Uh, yeah. Starring Miles O'Keefe. Yes. Um, man, this film is just crazy. <laughs> awesome. Uh, it starts off with about half an hour of, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but there's a, uh, a sort of uh, communist kind of um, general training all these troops and they capture some American soldiers and they're, 
they've got these various kind of death traps for them and stuff and they're making them wrestle against guys with guns <laughs> with bits of string tied to the triggers and yeah. just all kinds of mad stuff yeah. um and then it kind of cuts to miles o'keefe and he's being brought in to like take down this guy and he's like um so he has to get together this crack squad of commandos so um you see the <laughs> this bunch of free guys one <laughs> one that um cdr from mill creeps i think he said he ran for mayor in his hometown um yeah, and there's right. some pretty uh pretty wild stories about this guy but he's got this huge fat gut um just hanging <laughs> out of his shirt these other two kind of wasted looking guys and these are the uh, the crack commandos that are going to assist him <laughs> um, so uh he then uh kind of um <laughs> gets them all together he's like yeah we're gonna uh uh i'm gonna train you guys up in uh, the latest commando techniques and an ancient uh an ancient art from japan called ninjutsu and <laughs> they all wear like these balaclavas and they're running through the jungle with like bombs going off and the uh sort of predator style kind of traps with the kind of spikes and stuff swinging in and uh at one point the fat guy he, he uh triggers one of these traps and so this row of spikes is heading towards him and he just kind of leaps straight over them does a forward roll <laughs> and stuff impressive yeah the roly poly <laughs> Um, hey, you guys yeah, want to know a fun tidbit about Phantom Raiders? I've always known this, but you guys might not know it. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, the guy that directed Phantom Raiders, I believe his name was Dan Harvey or something like that. Harvey's his name. I know it's his last name. He's actually, he's more recently, he's probably been Robert De Niro's personal trainer for like the last 20, 30 years. <laughs> no way. I, know, yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> he's been working with De Niro for years. He's like a military dude, and I, I've seen him in interviews and stuff, and I'm like, why do I know that name? And that's why, because he directed <laughs> Phantom Raiders. Amazing. I think it's his only directorial credit. <laughs> but I, I just love the idea that Miles O'Keefe and Robert De Niro have worked closely with the same person. <laughs> now if I could just get those yeah, two guys in a military movie together. <laughs> Uh, that one's definitely worth uh, checking out for any anyone listening who hasn't seen it. Yeah, nice, great. Oh, uh, uh, sorry. There's there's one bit where one of the American soldiers is, uh, gets killed, um, and right in the very background, one of the uh, kind of communist guys is doing this really slow fist pump, like <laughs> like he's celebrating, but it's just so slow. It's kind of it's like he's in slow motion, but he's not. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah <clears throat> i think will and Listen, i are both fans ever, of that right we, we both yeah we we that. absolutely are man the o'keefe's got to uh, be on the show more yeah. um which i was gonna ask chris have you seen uh i think it's called, i think it's called contraband with o'keefe where he plays like a a small time pilot who ends up uh he ends up getting kind of in the run of running afoul of local drug lord or he ends up dropping their supply out into the fucking water or something and don stroud's in it um who else there's someone else don stroud's pretty coked up in it too Uh, (laughs) i i think uh i think that um you mean to say he wasn't in django unchained (laughs) yeah so i think uh i think stroud and o'keefe end up in prison together stroud's like the heavy of the the drug baron i think they end up in the prison together they get out the same time i can't remember all it's been a few years but it's one worth worth seeking out. It's uh, 
And I think uh, O'Keefe wears like the, the James Dean Rebel Without a Cause red jacket in most of the film. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, do, you, do, you, uh, do you remember his? Uh, do you remember his uh, name in the movie Phantom Raiders, uh, Chris? You want to mention that on the air because it's one of the great Cobra. movie names. No, no, not is it? No, Python. <laughs> yeah, it's Python, Pi- Python Lang. Yeah. Yeah, one of the great movie <laughs> names. <laughs> uh, O'Keefe has been uh, notoriously known for some of his great movie names, and Python Lang might be one of my favorites. <laughs> another, whilst we're talking about O'Keefe, another um, classic one that I've seen probably in the past year is one called The Hard Way, uh, oh, co-starring yeah. uh, one Henry Silver. Yes, uh, and Silver spends most of his time in a helicopter. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> chucking grenades and miles okay. Yeah. <laughs> the helicopter that is probably just sitting somewhere and he's yeah. showing up for work. He's, just, he's scared of heights, Silva. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't like heights. So I'd, I'd imagine <laughs> that it's like the John Saxon scenes in Hands of Steel where, you know, you yes. know that that, that uh, helicopter's not actually in the air. They're all shot from uh, <laughs> sort of worm's eye view, as it were. <laughs> yeah. <shot> from- <laughs> yeah, we had to cover that one on the show sometime. That'd be fun just to get O'Keefe on there and we have an excuse to get Silva back on. Yep. Be great. Sure. Is that everything? Yeah, that's, uh, that's everything for me. All right, nice. Large William, what have you been watching, buddy? Um, I have been watching two things. Uh, another pick from the Uncool Cat. I'm going through the stack he gave me, and this one's La Cucaracha, which <laughs> is a late 90s film. Uh, nice. It. Um, it's good. It's, uh, you know, like Chris says, not everything film has to be great. Um, the Uncool Cat, of course, that's, that's one of those sayings that I think about sometimes. You know, it's it's got Eric Roberts. It's it's a bit bringing me the head of Alfredo Garcia, but it takes a bit of a turn. And um, it's got some heavies from Mexican 90s films, uh, or 90s Mexican films, you know, people that Rodriguez used and so forth, like um, Joaquim de Almeida and, uh, you know, a few other people. But, uh mm-hmm. It's 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 solid. It's um, not rock solid, but it is solid. Uh, we'll have everyone checking out for sure. Um, nice. Then the boys and I decided. Why well, decide? Not the not the boys. I decided we were going to do <laughs> super super Inframan. It was my nice. turn to pick, and uh, they dug it. Um, the problem was when Inframan's getting turned into Inframan. It's got like this flashing sort of layover, this animated layover of each of his like body parts turning from human to, you know, inframan or whatever. And it reminded my son William of the game Operation. So then that was in his head and he just wanted to play Operation. So I had to stop it about, you know, almost an hour in so he could play Operation with my, my youngest son. So we got to finish that one. But And I was a bit, my nose was a bit bent out of shape. And I was like, man... You guys want to play Operation Overwatch this? What's wrong with them? But we're going to get back to it. I said, you guys want to finish that, right? And fingers crossed, I'm, you know, hoping they would. And he goes, yeah, of course. We want to watch it for men. Just be careful so, digging out that wishbone, brah. Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> Wish- Wayne's pretty good, you know, for a four-year-old, man. He's, yeah. uh, you know, he's uh, he's good. Uh, and later that night, I, I decided to pair... Uh, a film with Inframan that, that probably made the most sense in terms of style and theme, and that's uh, Terry Malick's The New World. Oh, yeah. So that was a double. Um, got the blue a couple <laughs> years ago. It was the last Malick I hadn't seen that was that was available on DVD or Blu-ray, and uh, it's it's really fantastic. Um, I said to you, Rick, that it's, at times it almost borders on sort of Malickian parody with some of the nature stuff, but I think it, the film's warranted because. 
of when it takes place and the setting it takes place in. I mean, it's 400 years ago in, in Virginia for, for most of the film. Um, you know, I loved it. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, uh, I think Farrell's great. And I, I've often said that I think he gets shit can of it too much. If you were just to, um, objectively look at his, um, filmography, you'd see a lot of good films with good filmmakers. And this is no exception. He's, he's quite good. The, the, the young woman who played Pocahontas in it is she's uh, she's beautiful and she's great. Like I think she was only fifteen when she made the film, but I mean she really really delivers. Um, so yeah, it was great. Um, other than that, <coughs> excuse me. The only other thing I watched was uh, fellow Canuck Jeremy uh, Jeremy M on the the Facebook group. He's from our nation's capital. He's from Ottawa. Uh, he had recommended uh, the clones of Bruce Lee. Which uh, yeah. which is an interesting film, to say the least. It's on YouTube. I was pretty tired when I put it on. Like it was like twelve thirty. I was just getting off a fourteen hour shift, so I was a bit fried. I had the prospect of getting up at four thirty this morning uh, looming, but you know it, it was enjoyable enough. Um, Bruce Whitation, as Clay and I were talking about uh, last night, it's a minefield that's got a lot more mines in it than field. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can't even think of sort of the quote unquote crown jewel of the subgenre, really. I mean, maybe Bruce Lee versus gay power or something, the Brazilian one, but it's, uh, not a, not a genre or subgenre that's, that's really kind to the viewership, but you know, it, it definitely had some good, so a lot of titties in it. And there's three Bruce Lee clones, Bolo Young's in it. He's, you know, he's got his tough tits out. And yeah. It, 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 yeah. He's, he's, you know, he's in prime shape and it, it made me, lament that him and Arnie never did a film together with their shirts off, but you know, that's the way that goes, I guess. Uh, but it was enjoyable enough and it's on YouTube. It's the clones of Bruce Lee and it was on Miso. I was surprised. I was getting ready to add it to Miso and <laughs> thankfully some kind soul had already added it. So there <laughs> nice. you go. Nice. The, uh, that, that, uh, Miles O'Keefe, uh, film uh you called it contraband I just want to make sure we correct it for all those miles will keep complete it's contra? yeah you call it contraband but it's called cartel oh cartel that's it i'm sorry and he has another and, great and on, he has another great name of that he's chuck taylor chuck taylor <laughs> that's right <man. laughs> yeah, i'm telling you he has the best names man <laughs> yeah that's right because he wears slouched slouched wool socks with his running shoes in it <laughs> yeah and he's in uh <laughs> He's in a movie called Sins of the Night where he plays a character named Tony Falcone. And uh, nice. and that he stars with fucking Nick Cassavetes. <laughs> it's just oh his whole career is a minefield of uh, interesting stuff uh, and, and names. And he even played a character named Malik once. <laughs> no way. Yeah. In a film called Mark Mann with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, wow. That's got to be good. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. Piper. <laughs> Piper playing a character named Frank Gibson. Awesome. All right. Anyway, now I get sometimes I get stuck into actors and their filmographies, and Miles O'Keefe is one of those ones I really like to dig into because he's, <laughs> you know, they really tried to push him right because he came out with a bang with Tarzan. Oh yeah, he had a great look. He was he had a good build. Yeah, came out with a bang, and then he the next thing he did of any note would have been a tour of the Fighting Eagle, and then uh, yeah. of course he had one last chance at like uh, international superstardom with uh, that. Uh, Legend of the Green Knight film with Sean Connery. Some, okay. I can't remember what it was called. Sir, Sir Gawain? Gawain? I don't know how you say that name, but whatever. I've seen a movie. He's got some really, really bad hair in that. Definitely check that out if you guys get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, after that, everything was Matei and D'Amato, baby. Anyway, 
Actually, I should say eight, eight, eight Tour was his second film, and that was Joe D'Amato. He went from fucking uh, Bo Derek's husband to fucking Joe D'Amato. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Talk about sleaze to sleaze. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so the only film I watched outside of the uh, films for the show was uh, 30 for 30, a new one that I didn't even know had come out. My wife recorded it for me, thankfully. She knows my taste. And this one's called Survive in Advance. And uh, this one is the story of Jim Valvano, the uh, basketball oh, coach. NC, NC State. Yeah, NC State, probably one of the most storied uh, uh, runs for the championship that's ever happened. And, of course, Jimmy V, Sadly, you know, ended up with bone cancer and dying at 45. God, I can't believe he was that young when he died. It seemed like he was older, but man, 45. I'll be 40 this year. That's scary shit. But um, yeah, only 45 years old. But uh, a very inspirational guy. Even if you're not a fan of sports, uh, his <coughs> attitude towards life in general. Uh, let's just. I'll put it this way, man. This film made me cry multiple times. Yeah, I can imagine it would. It's uh, so. It is, it is. It is a great story. One of the great American sports stories. Yeah, so I definitely. It's a high recommend for me. So definitely check out that if you get a chance. What a surprise! I like a thirty for thirty. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm the champion of the thirty for thirties. I remember. I think Eric on the board said one of the three things that remind you the GGTMC, and I think one of his was thirty for thirty. <laughs> yeah, I think so, man. So, other than that, I want to tell a little story about Horrorhound. So, I went up there this past weekend, saw everybody. It was great to see everybody. Uh, Randy, Mikey, Emily, Andy, Lisa. I you know just I can name it. Had Troy, everybody. Let's just put it that way. It was great to see everybody. Anyway. So the day started out great. My son was in a good mood. It went my son and my wife. So, you know, my son's walking down the hallway back to Randy's room, and I'm down there hanging out, and he wanted to go out and get something out of the car. And, you know, he's a two-and-a-half-year-old, so you guys can relate to this, uh, being that we're all fathers of two to randomly close to two-and-a-half years of age. So we all know what this is like. So he's just randomly walking down the hallway. And, of course, being two-and-a-half years old, he'll randomly trip over his own feet. And uh, he got hung up on some carpet, went down, and boom, hit his face right on the concrete. On the, not on the concrete, but on the carpet. Oh. So he almost gave himself a shiner, and it was right by his eye, and he was really upset. Now, the reason why I tell this story is my whole day yesterday revolved around near Fulci-like moments of eye trauma. Oh, boy. After that, <laughs> I was at the Jungle Gyms, and I grabbed my son from my wife because he wanted to come to me, and I'm picking him up, and John's there, Zom, and, and everybody else. And uh, as my wife's leaning over to give him to him, give him to me, my son's, you know, he's bigger, he's heavier. So I kind of leaned down a little bit, and then I raised up. And when I raised up, I elbowed my wife right in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Zom in his uh, per- perfect comedy moments goes, I saw that. I'm reporting that. <laughs> if you need anything, let me know. <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> but the rest of the day, my wife had a near shiner. Oh, boy. And then... I was strapping him in the chair after we left, and when I was strapping him in the chair when we left, he leaned over, and I knuckle-punched him right in the eyeball, <laughs> which oh hitting, hitting a kid in the eyeball is like, you know, the, he doesn't know what happened, and I'm like, whoops, I, I, I didn't mean to. I, what happened was he leaned over, I raised my hand up at the same time, and my knuckle, the point of my knuckle on my finger went right into his eye, and I was like, oh, poor baby, you know, I know that sucks because I've been hit there before myself, and and uh, then to top it all well, off, my wife had I, a... I think- Sorry, let me just. I think uh, Matt Hannon punches someone like that in Samurai Cup. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that, though. He doubled denim and all the way through that damn thing. (laughs) Um, We'll talk about his hair, too, because that's the most interesting interesting thing about that film is his hair. Oh, yeah. Um, 
in a, in, a, in a myriad of interesting moments in Samurai <laughs> Cop. The hair is pretty interesting. But last and certainly not least, even though this didn't involve any eye trauma, it did involve trauma of some of My wife had a reasonably expensive pair, in my opinion, of sunglasses that she, again, this relates to the eyes, uh, that she let my son borrow. He, eventually, he, of course, did the two-and-a-half-year-old thing of dropping them on the floor and then stepping on them and crushing them. So now oh, I have to buy another pair of sunglasses for my wife. So he, he, he did he did a he did a William Zabka just <laughs> yeah. dropped him and stepped on him. Yeah, he did he did a Bolo Young. He pulled off a members only jacket and slammed it to the ground and <laughs> s- stepped on it and twisted his foot. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, this it, you know I, I told my wife eventually I was like you know what let's not get near either any of us needed to get near anybody else's eyeballs the rest of the day because I just have a bad feeling I've seen too many movies <laughs> and we've had too many eyeball incidents today. For it not to be, you know, in our it's it's not in our favor to get close to the eye today. So you, you should have uh, been a family of of, of Kareem Abdul Jabbar's and all put on the goggles after that. Those near misses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So wow, that's that's crazy, man. It was a wacky day, man. Wacky day. I trauma left and right, you know. <laughs> and I should say also, two weeks ago, I lost my pinky nail on my toe. Oh jeez! We had been talking about nail trauma for the last few weeks, oh, and I'm like, God, I'm glad. I'm glad nothing's happened to me lately. Sure enough, I kicked something. Don't know what it was. It was. I thought I'd heard it, and it was, but I never checked it. And then one day, I was in the store with my son, and I just kind of, you know, how you kind of bunch up your feet inside your shoes. Yeah. I bunched up my feet, just kind of stretching a little bit. <laughs> just came right off. Oh my God! I'm standing in the store, and I go. Oh. <laughs> Oh my God, that's awful! You want to bring a grown man to his knees? Pull his pinky tail, <laughs> pinky tail, pinky toenail off. I don't know what my oh. pinky tail is. We'll talk about that off the air. <laughs> yeah. All right, so there we go. Some Sammy stories, some good times. Now we're going to have some even more fun. Uh, we're going to talk about some movies that involve muscles, lots and lots <laughs> of big muscles. So who and what do we want to talk about first? Here, do we want to talk about? Let's leave it in Chris's hands. It's yeah. Show, man. Um. I don't know. Um. Should we go pumping iron first? It's fun. Sure, Sounds good. This movie. This this show has got a lot. We should just call the show Extreme Posture, because <laughs> between Schwarzenegger, no, not Schwarzenegger. Between him, uh, who is it in Pumping Iron that has the extreme? Uh, Ken Waller's got some pretty extreme posture. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Matt Hannon. <laughs> These these guys, man, talk about some straight spines on these motherfuckers, man. <laughs> Jesus. I'm all curved over and got a spare tire hanging around. These guys are walking around like, hey. All right. Uh, we're going to take a short break. <laughs> we'll take a short break, come back, and talk pumping iron. We'll back right after this. Swear you'll listen to the good, the bad, and the odd. The good. He has the cruelty of Jack Nicholson's Joker. The wit of Mark Hamill's Joker. Yeah. And the laugh of Cesar Romero. <laughs> the bad. He's bald. He's got a cat. He lives in a volcano. What else do you need? And the odd. I've That's seen bits great. of it. It's really stupid. Swear to me. Just a couple of guys talking about movies. You can find us on www. The good, the bad, and the odd.com. Everybody wants to live. 
Hope you got your weightlifting belts on. Uh, yeah, it smells like sweat and ass up in this motherfucker. I love that song. That, that song is so bizarre for a documentary. <laughs> it's, it is so bizarre. If this had been the 80s, it would have been you know, more hair metal or something. But it, it goes from sort of this this whimsical song to sort of this swinger type, you know, low-key disco vibe. It's, uh, it's great. It, it kind of starts off like a sort of almost like a Paul McCartney kind of song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very Beatles in the beginning, and then all yeah. of a sudden, just like, what the hell is this? And then you, you think, <laughs> and in your head, you think about that scene of watching in the movie of uh, Ken Waller and Arnold Schwarzenegger dancing and all those women around <laughs> at Arnie's house, and I'm thinking, man, the debauchery that took place that night. Oh, no man. telling, man. Jeez. Lamentation uh, of their women. <laughs> <laughs> In a, in a moment of uh, sad irony, uh, Joe Weider just passed away this morning. Right? Yes. Yeah, no way. Yeah, 93 years old, Joe Weider, Montreal's oh. own Joe Weider. I was uh, going to mention that. That's yeah. terribly yeah. sad news. That's he was, I mean, as big as it gets in that uh, industry. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Uh, talk about, I don't know, you could say serendipity, but a strange moment of it. But anyway, all right, wow. so Pumping Iron. Yeah, Pumping Iron, 1977. Uh, I'll give a brief plot synopsis here, uh, and then we'll get into it. We didn't decide who was going to lead, so we'll just do that after I get into talking about it. Uh, from Gold's Gym in Venice Beach, California, to the showdown in Pretoria, amateur and professional bodybuilders prepare for the 1975 Mr. Olympia and Mr. Universe contest in this part-scripted, part-documentary film. Um, yeah, okay, so we'll just leave it at that because it goes on for a lot longer than that uh, about some other things. But, uh, okay, so this is a rather, I guess you could say infamous. It's almost, it became a cult film, and for numerous reasons. I'll give you the wrong advices, and, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, Big Louie, hey, Big Louie. <laughs> big Mike, Big Mike. I mean, every, everybody's big something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and in the, Venice Beach, in the Venice Beach scenes, he's right, everybody is big. 
but uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But who wants to take the lead on this? Because, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk some pumping iron here. I don't care who. One of you guys. Yeah, I'm happy to unless Chris wants to. I'll let Chris lead on whatever film he wants or not lead. It's, it's yeah, your Well, yeah, can I lead on pumping iron? Yes, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Go for it. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I'm gonna listen to you talk because I like well, I like Englishmen's voices a lot. So I, I'll, I'll always yeah. be uh, while you're talking. I'll always be coming. So I'm in heaven all the time. <laughs> and also, Chris, tell us why you picked this because it's it's one that's um, as great of a documentary as it is. It's been kind of out of the consciousness for a little while. I think in some respects. So yeah, tell us why you um, picked this film. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'll start start with why I picked it. Uh, I guess uh, like a lot of us, I just love. Arnie's films, you know. Yeah. When you're a guy of our age, sort of in our age range, you grew up kind of watching Sly and Arnie, and they were like the the quintessential kind of action hero. Yeah. So, and it should be said uh, for people who don't know, Chris is a comic book guy, right? Yeah. You're, you're a comic book fan. I'm a comic book fan, and we'll read comic books. But Sly and Arnie are great examples, I think, of of our generation's uh, comic book heroes come to life. Yeah. Oh, fully. Yeah. Um, I think I've said it before on the boards as well. Is uh, so I'm not so sure about uh, you, Sammy, but I, I guess Will, because I think me and Will are sort of the same age. But I grew up with He-Man toys, G.I. Oh, Joe, yeah. um, oh. and you know, it's kind of programmed into your kind of subconsciousness almost <laughs> that you know these <laughs> these <laughs> these are the ultimate action heroes, the yeah. big muscular guys, all the guys with like ample. Like amounts of guns, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm a little bit older than you guys, obviously, but so I'm a little bit. I I was. I just caught the as far as my age goes. I caught the He-Man thing, but I was on the as far as my age goes. I was on the tail end. Like I was into it for about a year, and then I moved on. But it is. You didn't. You didn't feel Orko as much as we did. No, I didn't feel Orko at all. I was like, what the fuck's this fucking thing? (laughs) But uh, uh, because if it didn't have an action figure, it didn't fucking exist, in my opinion. You know, Orko was hard to get, but we'll we'll talk about that other time. Anyway, but uh, you're right. I was just talking about this the other day. As a as a youth growing up in the 70s and 80s, though, there was two things that made you a man, and that was guns and muscles. (laughs) <laughs> and what that's what it comes down to i mean if you think about I, I think about showing my son stuff all the time i'm like fuck that's got guns in it fuck that's got the fuck that's got guns in it <laughs> everything i have everything i own has a gun in it <laughs> so it hasn't got guns it's got people smoking <laughs> yeah yeah ghostbusters right? it's just full of smoke <laughs> yeah it's, it's so oh, strange yeah. it's so strange but uh yeah it's funny you mentioned that i'm just, like I said, i'm just a little bit older than you guys but uh i i was i did get into gi joe quite a bit though so i'm, I'm there so yeah, um, so yeah, going back to that. Uh, so I wanted to pick an Arnie movie to cover, but I didn't want to pick one of the obvious ones like Predator or Running Man because everyone's sort of seen those. So I'm, and I've always enjoyed Pumping Iron, and I've kind of since um, I got the DVD, I got the kind of twenty fifth. I think it was the twenty fifth anniversary edition yeah, that was. came out. Um, I've sort of pretty much watched it. Uh, every year, I'd say, and so I just thought, yeah, I'll go with Pumping Iron. I know you guys like uh, big, muscly guys working. Out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, as well, yeah, and I just thought it'd be quite an interesting <laughs> film to talk about because it's it's kind of the kind of embryonic Arnie almost um, <laughs> before he became this huge kind of movie star, and you know, everyone had heard of him. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I just thought it would be quite an interesting, 
in, yeah, interesting to hear you, uh, your guys' views on on, on yeah, that. And it would, yeah. Will and I were, Will and I were talking. Discussion. Yeah, Will and I were talking on the uh, on the phone the other night, and we were talking about this uh, charisma that Arnie has, and you could just see that he was going to turn into something else because he just has this natural charisma that it's it's one yeah. of those movie star things you can't explain it uh he's not the best actor in the world and we all know that he's he's not even close he's a he's a what would be the best word i could say he's a competent actor great look but yeah. he just has this charisma. He's a bit of timing he's got some comedic timing now yeah yeah so he, but he's just so charismatic and even in this film he's incredibly charismatic because uh, he looks great, but I mean, you know, you talk about the other guys, and, and almost all of these guys ended up in the movies somehow, some way. Uh, <laughs> Ken Waller was in a couple things. Uh, Franco Colombo was in a. He was in a. He's in a few things. Uh, Franco misses calling to be either the heavy or the super cop <laughs> yeah. in Eurocrime films. Yeah, <laughs> he still makes movies. Franco still Crazy. makes movies, though. He makes direct-to-video movies in Italy. Oh and, man, I didn't. Know that. Yeah, we'll have to look up some of those. And uh, and uh, and uh, I think Serge Nubret, Serge Nubret, yeah, hey Louis, hey, the, I think Serge Nubret, uh, I believe he was in uh, a few uh, Hercules movies and maybe even a couple westerns over in Italy back in the day. Well, He's, they said that when they because uh, you know when I I've seen this a number of times. I'm a big fan too. I own the same edition Chris does. When they had mentioned in the voiceover for. The film, oh, Serge Nubray of France. He's also a television and film star. I wrote down, like, has anyone seen his films? I'd be very curious to see some of his work. He was, uh, he did, uh, uh, what's that movie called? The Professional. He did uh, one of those late John, Pel- uh, John Belmondo films. John Paul Belmondo films. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he also did a movie with uh, Resimov, one of my favorite uh, character actors from Italy. Live and rest, my great. Yeah, but uh, seven yeah, sorry, seven red berets. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm just looking at Franco Colombo on uh, IMDb, and he was in uh, <laughs> Big Big Top Pee Wee playing Otto the Strongman. Yeah, yeah. He was <laughs> nice. I didn't even realize that, man. <laughs> yeah, Franco is still to this day. It even says so in the film, but uh, or in the making of documentary on the disc that uh, Franco and Arnie are still best friends. And Franco, yeah, actually, um, he's. Like doctor or a chiropractor too. Yeah. So between yeah, between uh, uh, cracking backs and making direct uh, video movies, <laughs> man. <laughs> Holy so, fuck! Um, as as a bit of kind of background research, I read um, Arnold's Education of a Bodybuilder, um, kind of autobiography that he wrote. Well, <laughs> as he wrote in inverted uh, <laughs> commas um, back in back around probably around the time that Pumping Iron was made. Um, and I think uh, when they met, um, Arnie had just moved to Germany, and I think Franco was a powerlifter at the time, and it was Arnie that got him into the bodybuilding side of things. Um, so I think that yeah, they've been friends for like quite a long time, even before Pumping Iron was made, probably like maybe ten years or so, well maybe not that long, wow. but for quite a while I think. Um, so yeah, um, so yeah. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll, yeah, let's start talking about the, the film. Yeah. Um, uh, straight away, the opening scene is just it, it kind of throws you a nice curveball because you're kind of watching this film about bodybuilders, and so what's the first thing you see? Obviously, some bodybuilders, but um, and Arnold and Franco, and they're with a ballet dancer. 
<laughs> practicing some uh, posing, you know, and it's like, whoa, I thought this was, you know, about bodybuilders, you know, and pumping iron and where's the weights and stuff like that. And it's, um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I liked the, just like that little opening scene that it's just sort of, you know, it sort of kind of gives, gives you that insight straight away into kind of, it's not just going to be about the weights and, and the pure muscle side of things is going to be kind of a bit more to it. Those guys are trying to compete with uh, Egg Corny. They don't, they can't hang. So they go to the ballet. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's the smart thing that the documentary does time and time again, is it, it humanizes these huge, uh, men. And it also turns the, um, sort of the, the logical thinking by society of what they are and what they do in their free time on its ear by right, like you said, right away, showing them in a ballet studio, um, doing that. So it definitely right away lets you know that it's not just going to be, you know, big dicks and Zubas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my Lord. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, my bad. I was looking at, uh, Mike Katz, seeing if he's getting ready to do anything. He's getting ready to be in another documentary called generation iron, but the first three people on the credits are Mickey Rourke, Michael Jai White and, uh, Lou Ferrigno. So, oh, wow. So that would be interesting. I sent you guys a link to a movie that Colombo uh, did, but I don't know if you guys can check it because you guys are on mobile devices. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I've <laughs> got my laptop here as well. So. <laughs> yeah, so you yeah. check out uh, the credits, the people that are in the movie that Colombo did called Ancient Warriors. It's pretty awesome. Oh, Is it well, I'll just say it on the air. It's uh, Richard Lynch and Daniel Baldwin. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> How have we not watched that yet? <laughs> yeah. I know what Baker's doing this week. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sorry, Chris. We keep derailing you, but this is going to be one of those reviews, man. There's too much Um, to talk about. (laughs) So, so yeah, considering what I've just said about that opening, it then goes into scenes of guys just pumping iron. Um, (laughs) Pump it up. um, Man, hang on. I'm I'm sorry, Chris. I am so sorry. (laughs) I'm going through Columbo's uh, filmography as we talk, and it just becomes, it's a treasure trove of riches, okay? <laughs> Evidently, he's this character in most of his films. He directs most of his films, too. His oh, name wow. is usually Enrico Costa. And in this film, Double Cross on Costa's Island, he has not only himself in it, but he has Frank Stallone, Robert oh, Ginty, my. and oh, William oh, Smith. My. Oh, man. <laughs> You gotta send us the link. I'm gonna look this up on in the place that shall not be named as soon as we get off the show. Oh man! I, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Chris. And <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of muscle, a lot of pumping iron, a lot of mustaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah, we get that opening scene of just the kind of montage of a lot of guys working out, and then. Uh, we see Arnie um, and he's strolling through the gym and like you said every, it seems that everyone's nickname is Big and he's like hey Big Tony hey Big Mike that's Big Mike oh <laughs> yeah everybody and he, at that point ironically that's his Tony Monero moment right like he's going through the gym high fives and everything you know what I mean yeah yeah because he's, yeah. he's the hero right then and there because he already won uh, what five or six in a row Five in a row at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, so everybody had already yeah. was looking up to him at that point. So he's like, uh, you know, literally a giant as he's walking through that uh, s- kind of smaller Gold's Gym right there. And uh, yeah, I love that. Hey, Big Mike. 
Big Tony. Hey guys, I like to work out. I, I you know, I got to get my muscles pumped. <laughs> I love when he says that. I got to get some more muscles. <laughs> you got your papers. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, well, I, th- I think as well because he'd won it so many times. Um, one of the kind of documentaries um, that's on the 25th anniversary disc, Lou kind of says that uh, says this himself. But everyone looked up to Arnold. He was like the big name in bodybuilding so everyone wanted to be him everyone wanted to beat him so yeah if he strolled through a gym everyone would be like wow arnold hey and you know um and arnold's not a man without ego so he's gonna lap that up and just sort of <laughs> mm-hmm. bask in the glory of everyone kind of saying hey <laughs> you know? yeah you're right about that he's not a man without ego you definitely hit that on the head uh so yeah i'm just looking at my notes only uh, was 28 um, oh, when man. they made this, amazing! Just, what? Just <laughs> mad. <laughs> and he's huge. Um, you know. Oh god! It's, it, you kind of, like I was saying earlier, you kind of, you you sort of know Arnie from stuff like Predator and the Terminator films and Running Man, and he was big in those films, but he's he's bigger in this, and you're just like, you just forget, and you kind of like, like I say, I sort of go back and watch Pumping Iron. It's like. Jeez, look how like huge he is. I guess compared to some of today's bodybuilders, he probably wouldn't be seen as like as huge. But you know, um, I guess uh, uh, the thing that it reminds me of is The Rock, because um, uh, the pictures of The Rock recently. I'm guessing it's for um, he's done it for Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain, uh, yeah. Um, but he's looking big. Um, yeah, he, yeah. You know, when he was wrestling, he was never that huge. But now he's like, just like, just, yeah. you know. He's doing he's big. doing another film, too, where I think he's beefing up for an, oh, he's doing uh, the, the sadly, the uh, Brett Ratner Hercules film. Oh. So that's oh. another reason why he's pumping up. Can't wait for that one. Oh. I know Will's on the board with me on that one. Oof. Yeah, I won't watch it, man. We got to do new releases, Will. We get an excuse to cover yeah, Brett Ratner's Hercules. Our format so we can get the rat on the show, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus! I have no interest uh, in that either, by the way. But uh, yeah, I know he pumped up for uh, uh, Pain and Game, but he also uh, I know he's pumping up even more for the Hercules. But you're right. Yeah. Lately, I've seen some pictures of The Rock. Just kind of like you know, flipping through stuff and he'll pop up and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Man, that, his biceps <laughs> are huge all of a sudden. Yeah, I think around Halloween there was a picture of him with green paint on. As oh, the whole yeah, thing. I saw It was that. just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's doing like the uh, Lou Ferrigno uh, yeah. scream and right. flex. He's got the bad wig on and the denim ripped jeans. And and I remember stuff, looking, yeah. and I'm looking at his muscles like some kind of a freak and I'm like, those are huge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh <laughs> also near the start uh, i've got a, a, a note about the um the clothes so it just says oh, vests <laughs> belly shirts amazing <laughs> yellow dungaree slash polo neck combo yes, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and just tough tits in general oh man <laughs> just <laughs> there's just some Amazing clothes in this documentary. <laughs> There's the um, the scene, uh, the it, the um, the t-shirt scene where um, uh, I've forgotten the guy's name now, but where they're talking about stealing oh, Mike, Mike Cass. Uh, yeah, yeah, where they're talking. 
Yeah, Ken, uh, they're steam, talking about steaming his uh, his T-shirt. And one of the guys is wearing the yellow gold gym vest uh, with small uh, sports shorts. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of wearing, small shorts in this film. Just wearing a, a really strange kind of wintry looking hat. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the other guy... Uh, He's got a black vest on and just a kind of shark tooth kind of necklace on. Yeah. <laughs> just sort of tossing around a football. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> it should be said, Ken Waller, um, local uh, dude. He's from around my parts and he's a bit of a no local way. celebrity. Yeah, yeah. He's from uh, <laughs> he's from around where I'm at, where I'm at currently. Yeah, he even taught high school in the city I live in. Oh, wow. What a trip. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. <laughs> but he's kind of a local celebrity, and uh, it's pretty insane when you think about that and what Ken Waller's accomplished and stuff. Yeah, the redhead, the 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 dashing redheaded Ken Waller. <laughs> yeah. He was a specimen, though. At one point, though, I have to admit. Well, wasn't didn't he own Gold's Gym? Wasn't that his? Yeah, that, that's that's his thing. Yeah, Gold's yeah. Gym is Ken Waller's thing, I believe. Joe Gold, no Joe Gold. Well, I mean, Joe well, I think Gold the one in Venice. I think the 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 Gold's uh, Gym okay. was yeah. Waller. I don't know how he ended up in Venice Beach, but uh, I'd say most of these guys migrated there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I think it sort of mentions it in, I can't remember, again, I might be sort of crossing over with some of the documentary stuff about um, Pumping Iron, but they said it was sort of a strange kind of place, but in a, a weird kind of way, the bodybuilders kind of fitted into that whole Venice Beach scene because they were just sort of another kind of, strange sort of subculture in a way yeah that's uh, yeah. just it venice beach was like a culture of sub different subcultures coming together right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah these guys you know they were hanging out uh in their speedos you know laying around <laughs> the beach together <laughs> teasing arnie because he can't stay awake on the beach because <laughs> you wake me up when you get back all right you tell louis has schwarzenegger ever worn a mustache in a film I know that's a I know that's a random question, but I gotta ask it. He's had the stubble, but I don't think there's been just a mustache. Missed opportunity there. Maybe he can't grow one. Maybe, maybe, yeah, that's, maybe that's it. He's compensating, man. Yeah, maybe that's why. He, that's what, maybe that's why he gets so mad at Ed Corny so often. Yeah. And that other Corny's guy, that a great fucking stuff. He does. And yeah. that, who's that other dude that he works out with? Tony uh, something. Uh, Tony, I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. The guy that's doing the squats. It has like looks like a shit stain on the shorts. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Probably was, man. I've squatted many maybe, times and I've almost shit my pants. And then, no, Tony, it was uh, Eddie Eddie Giuliani. Eddie Giuliani. He's only been in this film, but yeah, he had a he had a nice dark uh, chocolate stain on his shorts right by his <laughs> ass crack. <laughs> nice. and, and he's squatting like 800 pounds, and I'm sitting there thinking that that could be legit. <laughs> That, that is legit. <laughs> Believe me, you're exerting a lot of pressure on the back end when you're squatting. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. We're going to derail Chris so often during this. His first time on the GGTMC, the leader review, and we're just like, oh, yeah, shit stains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Franco Colombo. Oh, yeah. Sorry, buddy. That's cool, man. That's cool. Um, so pretty near the start, you get the, the, the famous uh, pumping speech. Yes. Uh, can you believe how much I'm uh, in heaven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I can find a YouTube clip of that while you're talking. 
Well, he, he says <laughs> it, it's, it's got to be on YouTube. I'm coming. I, I'm coming day and night. I'm coming yeah. in the gym. I'm gym, coming I'm at home. Coming in the kitchen at home. Uh, <laughs> when I go shopping. Spread. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you get. A, you get this sense that when they were making this documentary, they... I, I think I found some, it. Hang on one second. Let's see if we can play a little. Oh, nice. Let's have some audio production here. Let's see if we can. Well, hang on. I got a fucking... This is your last <laughs> chance to save 75% <laughs> off hip-hop abs. Hip-hop abs. Oh, shed the fat <laughs> and scratch your core. <laughs> My bad. Let me, here, let me play this. Here you go. Listen, here we go. We get a little booty music. Arnie's pumping right now. I like to do this whenever I get a chance. So this is a great little speech. <clears throat> Let me turn it down until he starts talking a little bit. But so Arnie's uh, looking at his body. He's flexing his muscles. He has. Some I wonder of the... if Arnie wanted hip hop abs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. I just gave promotional. <laughs> Here you go. The, gym, oh, the most satisfying feeling you can get in the gym is the pump. <laughs> Let's say you drain your biceps. Blood is rushing into your muscles, and that's what we call the pump. Your muscles get a really tight feeling, like your skin is going to explode any minute. You know, it's really tight. It's like somebody blowing air into into your muscle. It just blows up, and it feels different. It feels fantastic. <laughs> blowing air. Right. Okay. The coming speech is coming. I it's as satisfying to me as uh, coming is. Yeah. You know, as uh, having sex with a woman and coming. <laughs> so can you believe how much I am in heaven? I'm like uh, getting the feeling of coming in the gym. I'm getting the feeling of coming at home. I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump up, when I pose out in front of 5,000 people. I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm in heaven. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Classic Arnie right there, buddy. Not sure I'd want that feeling in front of uh, five thousand people, really. <laughs> yeah, no, no. a little weak in the knees in front of that many people. <laughs> yeah, I don't want five thousand people to see my O face. <laughs> no, no, sir. <laughs> I don't even want my closest friends to see my O face. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's like a it's like a moment of pure ecstasy and shame all mixed together. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so yeah. I, you kind of get the sense that they kind of obviously wanted to film the tournament so at that, the end. Is <laughs> well, that Red Lovelock and Mark Perel going by you, man? So, yeah, they, they wanted to film the, the, uh, the competition at the end of the movie, but you kind of get the sense that they wanted... They weren't quite sure how to fill in or pad out the rest of the time. So you have this strange scene of Arnie going to a prison and oh, posing yeah. for all these prisoners. Oh, that's so yeah, weird. It's, it's like, why, why would you take a bodybuilder to go and get reaction shots at a prison? It just makes no sense. It's so weird. And the one, the one guy goes, he's so beautiful. His body's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> there's the two guys and they're like uh, yeah he's a big dude and 
Uh, yeah, all he's all the way, big dude. <laughs> all, all the way, big dude. <laughs> all the way, big dude. And but you do, in that scene, really, I think you get the most of what makes Arnold Schwarzenegger special is his and yeah, why he ended, he ended up being a politician. He he, yeah, why he ends up being a politician. If you think crowd. about his history, he knows how to work a crowd. He is very comfortable in his skin. And yeah. he, he thinks quickly on his feet too. Yeah, right? yeah. That guy says, "Let's get another kiss" or something like that. And he's talking about the female. You know what he's talking about? But Arnie works it immediately. He sees it. You know, he's like, "I got something here." You know, and it, it's it's a classic Arnie moment. Like, well, oh, you know what? What are you talking? You come here, come here. I give you a kiss. The um, <laughs> the the um, again in in the extra material. There's a deleted scene where he's doing a pec flex, and he looks at the the woman, and he's like. Can you do that? <laughs> yeah. he's, he's so crass, man. It's just yeah. like, oh. <laughs> and now, since we know so much about Arnie, uh, you know, and his kind of uh, his weaknesses behind the scenes, <laughs> seeing him doing these moments, I, 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 like I said, I have these mo—I just have these images of all the debauchery that was going taking place in the seventies <laughs> oh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger's man. house. <laughs> to be Arnie in the seventies would be, you know, I would imagine almost as good as being a rock star. Yeah, yeah. be like a Roman emperor. Yeah, you know, just the, you know, this the craziness that was probably going on. You know, him uh, doing push-ups with hot girls on his back. Ed Corny's tossing some chick salad in the corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Tickling her with his mustache. Because Wall- Corny on a nightclub, there there was a missed opportunity yeah. there to film that. Ken, oh. Ken Waller's finger in his own butthole. It's just so- <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> a rare moment of GGTMC. <laughs> I never thought I would have that image in my head <laughs> until now. Oh, we've lost control on the GGTMC. <laughs> it took a bodybuilder movie to do it. <laughs> Chris knows our weakness. <laughs> he does. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh man, <laughs> I just got this image now of Waller doing that and Colombo eating like uh, fettuccine in the kitchen watching. <laughs> like, what the, what the fuck's going on in this place? Oh fuck, I'm crying over here. All right, sorry, Chris. I, <laughs> I think I may have just threw my back out laughing, man. <laughs> fuck. Oh shit. Uh, sorry, sorry, Chris again. <laughs> All right. So yeah, you um, you kind of then move on from that into the first kind of mini, um, uh, mini sort of competition kind of scene where you have the, the I think it's the the uh, is it the IMBAA? I, I'm not sure what the the federation is, but it's the kind of amateur side. So it's the sort of one below the the Mister Olympia that Arnie's going for, and you've got um. You get then get introduced to uh, Mike Katz um, mm-hmm. and his family, and and um, again, it's, it's kind of um, that kind of classic documentary style where they talk to him, and he's sort of given his background about how he became a bodybuilder, and how talking about how he was bullied and called four eyes, and uh, people kind of picked on him because he was Jewish and stuff like that, and so he then kind of he was uh, talking about how. Um, his prom he kind of left early from his prom and and went and did laps because he was like yeah i'll show them like you know i'm gonna go and do laps and yeah. he was just like why <laughs> uh, you know quite a quite a um 
sort of heavy background and you know and and that really buys you into his character like i say it's sort of quite a it's it's an easy kind of trick for a, a documentary maker to do that but it, it it works in this sort of instance and then you kind of had the scene with him playing with his kids and they're all kind of flexing and stuff and he's like oh yeah look at look at um I yeah. can't remember his kids' names. Oh, look, yeah, look at his muscle. He's like, look at daddy's muscle. He's like holding up his arm and then the kids are just hanging off of his arm and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. But again, uh, I think it was a good thing, Chris. Um, like, again, you're humanizing these people. Well, yeah, definitely, definitely. As an element, because people think of them as monsters, right? I mean, yeah. in some ways, right? In the 70s, it wasn't the internet, so you couldn't you couldn't go to Mike Katz's website and see that he liked to cook and was a painter. And, you know, so this was a chance to really get a, the human side of them, and, and the, the butler understood that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and uh, I, I finally pulled myself back together here. I had to come off a mute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, 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 the Mike Cat story is very interesting, and I talked to Will about this off the air. We talked on the phone the other night, and we talked about psychologically to become as big as these guys do, there has to be something, and maybe not, maybe the word isn't wrong, but there has to be something slightly deficient about your psyche to want to be yeah, this big. Some kind of trigger. Yeah, it, that's right. A, a trigger or something. Yeah, there has to be a trigger, be itself uh, a self trigger or an external source that's triggered that within you because to every day for, for cats to, to you, you can tell the cats his whole life he heard those voices in his head uh, to say you're not good enough you're this uh, you're that you're yeah. four eyes and that pushed and pushed and pushed him till till to where he was because if that never happened he wouldn't have been there yeah and yeah. Not, not only that yeah, when or if these guys lose a competition you see that teenage boy on their face yeah. yeah, or even younger, you see like this this child. Um, I mean, the 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 moment with cats, he's oh, he's man. shook yeah. up, and it, it's it's almost like he's he he's it's almost like an out of body experience. Like he's um he's saying, oh, uh, you know, he's he's totally discombobulated. I I got to call my family, and it's this. Yeah, um, he's like, oh, yeah, they're probably having breakfast, and yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really it's a really touching moment. You know, he says, you know, he's been away yeah. from his kid for ten days. You know, and. <laughs> for what you know for what you yeah know, it's a really touching moment from uh, mike katz and mike katz is one of those guys who talk about uh you know a huge bodybuilder at the time uh not not as far as popularity but i mean this guy had one of the most massive chest yeah uh, i had seen guy. on any any uh bodybuilder and uh ken waller even says something about that when he's on the football field tossing the ball around uh <laughs> after, after he washed his hands i hope and uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh he says something about cats about how his chest is, is too much and you know these these body sculptors quote unquote as opposed to bodybuilders yeah. they're really big on um the equality, yeah, the, the image of your body, it has to, and this is what Arnold Schwarzenegger brings to it, everything looks like it fits together in a perfect package. Whereas some of these guys, you get the Mike Katz and a couple other guys, where their chest is bigger than their arms, that are bigger than their shins, or their, their shins, their calves, or their their thigh muscles and stuff, so they, they're disproportionate, right? Yeah. And that's what these Mr. Olympia contests, they're more about proportion and overall look. Uh, not just sheer size, and uh, so Katz he struggles a little bit because Katz is like I say he's one of these guys who walks into a room and you know his nipples get in the room three minutes before he does you know he's one of those <laughs> yeah. kind of guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, it, but he is an interesting character. I wish there would have been more of him. I like that it's, that 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 the part of the film is almost like a subplot to what's going to happen later. The Katz uh, yeah. Waller thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's sort of kind of 
kind of gets that all neatly packaged and out of the way before kind of moving on to the main thing. So it kind of gives you a, a nice taster of kind of what the film's about, really. Um, and yeah, the like you were saying, that scene where he loses um, is yeah, it's just heartbreaking. Kind of seeing him, you sort of follow him into into the changing room. And he sits there and he's just sort of this totally deflated guy, and mm-hmm. uh, and you can see he's just like wounded inside and he's just just trying to like focus on his family just to kind of you know forget about all the like you said all the stuff that he's gone through to get to that point to then sort of come third you know yeah, um yeah. uh and yeah it's it's yeah it's just a pretty kind of moving sort of scene really and and like you said will it's, it really humanizes um these guys you know and and kind of that kind of personal uh not per, um public kind of appearance of them just being these sort of you know muscular strong men um it's just a really nice kind of uh sideways look into kind of what's actually going on behind that kind of frontward persona. Um, uh-huh. uh, so, um, yeah, also, um, it's the first time where you see them competing on stage and the crowd are going wild. Um, and I don't know how much of that would be because they were filming it or if at that point in time, people just went nuts for these bodybuilders, you know? It was... <clears throat> just an amazing kind of like reaction from the crowd when they're yeah. kind of all up on stage posing. Oh, yeah. Just, um, yeah. Like I said, I, because of um, the kind of the questions about how much of this documentary is kind of real and isn't real. You, you sort of kind of start to then question like that crowd reaction, how much of it was sort of pre set up by the, the makers and sort of saying, oh, we're filming this, have, you know, let's have a big reaction when they come out on stage. Um, but some of the people there, you can see they are just genuinely like just going nuts. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, for sure they are. They're pumped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they're coming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay. You got that. Uh, yeah, you got, I'm sure you got more. Yeah, come on. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. So yeah, we then move into the kind of the the meat, as it were, of the of the film, and we get our um, introduction to um, to Lou, uh, Lou Ferrino, and he sort of again talks a bit about his background and his difficulties. Obviously, with his his hearing, he sort of had to overcome. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't want to say problems, um, but you know, he's had to kind of probably put a lot more effort into kind of doing things than a lot of us take for granted. And yeah. um, again, he kind of saw bodybuilding as a way of kind of becoming the person that he wanted to be. Um, uh, yeah. Um, it, it's such a rich psychological and emotional thing that we could really just kind of sit here and toss around the ideas and motivators. And, and this was a time when I think, um, you know, and in the fifties and sixties with Steve Reeves and stuff like that, 
it, the irony is bodybuilding has gotten so far away from a healthy lifestyle because these guys are spending <laughs> 60, 70, 80,000 dollars a year on quote unquote supplements um, to get more vascular and and it's just uh, but this was a time when you know if you ate right and you, you did a little you know a few things yeah. you know supplement and vitamin wise you could have a relatively good build and I think I, I can tell you you know from experience I was a gym rat when I was in high school playing football and rugby and stuff. Um, it does for it is a good um, outlet and a good resource for you know for a young man or a young woman to um, to build up self confidence and self esteem. So you know it's yeah. it's an interesting thing to see you know Louis and and Cats uh, and these guys that have used this to lift them to heights. I mean they'll always have these kind of inner emotional demons and stuff, but it helps to soften that to a degree and and um, and work some things out and enable them uh, in a societal sense and so forth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you kind of then follow Lou into his local gym in uh, <laughs> in New York, <laughs> and um, one of the first. It looks. Uh, it looks like somebody's things. basement. Is what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you see uh, this sort of kind of little dumpy guy. Um, oh yeah, Shelley from Friday the Thirteenth <laughs> Part Three. <laughs> yeah. doing kind of barbell curls just looking, <laughs> looking so so dejected and and just not fitting in with that environment whatsoever and it's kind of like come on dude <laughs> you know you could do it just psych yourself up a bit you know <laughs> so then yeah you, you sort of see um see louis working out a bit um with his dad um, <laughs> just lifting these really huge weights and um, so you've got um, Lou's trainer pushing him and he's like come on uh, another couple and Lou's like oh yeah he's right, really like, <laughs> pumping them out and he's finished then then you got Lou's dad kind of just wiping his head his own forehead oh, down boy, and going oh yeah oh boy what a workout <laughs> it's like well, you've not lifted anything you know <laughs> yeah it's, it's a great moment um uh then kind of moves on to franco in italy um and again uh this this sort of there's another scene where they were just sort of kind of following the bodybuilders around i think to try and kind of get try and find the human angle um and so you've just got franco kind of lifting a car out of a parking space so they can kind yeah, of he lifts a fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh. oh man, I, w- I wish like they would have been shooting a, a Eurocrime film at that time, and Henry Silva would have walked up. Been, yeah, like merely, merely walks across the frame or something. Yeah. One of those guys, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> oh. um, and that, that's quite a weird scene because it sort of cuts to that, and it's not a very long scene, and. And then it just cuts back to Lou again. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's sort of strange. They sort of, I think it's just to kind of keep you familiar with Franco. Maybe I did. Yeah. It just seems sort of out of place where it is. Um, or maybe to break up some of the Lou stuff because there was sort of quite a large chunk of of Lou kind of working out. Um, but yeah, it goes back to kind of Louis, and he's um, <laughs> he's getting advice from his dad on how to. Uh, how to pose. And his dad's like, yeah, I said, you uh, sort of um, yeah, swing your arms around and bring them both up and, and kind of look, 
look at the uh, judges and then go boom look at this hunker man yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, and then you've got to tilt from side to side you know no one's seen your arms and they want to see your arms yeah <laughs> yeah he's always talking he's always uh pushing louis with the arms because yeah he, and people forget well, how big lou ferrigno is i mean if you've yeah, met him was, in person much bigger than arnold yeah he was yeah, the, at the time he was the biggest bodybuilder in the world because <clears throat> Not 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 as far as fame, obviously, and everything else. But I mean, they had never in seen, size, yeah. yeah, they had never seen a six foot five, two hundred and I think seventy pound bodybuilder. Now, well, I, he, yeah, he really was a, a mountain. Like even Arnold was big by bodybuilding standards. He was, I think, six two and yeah. you know two forty or something. And because most of the bodybuilding guys were five ten, something like that. You know, Franco yeah. was probably five seven, five eight. So yeah. you get a guy that's six five, six six, six seven. He just fucking. He's a beast, and you know what's great too about that loose stuff is, you really get the sense. You really get the sense that Louis is completely in over his head as far as the psychological stuff goes, because um, Louis feels very much like a boy, uh, you know, like a little yeah, a little yeah, boy um, with his dad kind of <laughs> coaxing him along, and and especially when like he gets around Arnold. Arnold's just very you know passive aggressive he manipulates him yes. and yeah definitely the, the psychological games like louis physically is a specimen but when it comes to the psychological stuff that comes with that that uh that world he just he can't he can't run with those guys man yeah. it's it's yeah. because he's he's still a young guy you know you can get the sense you know he was shy when he was younger so he kind of lived you know a little bit of a sheltered life and uh it's um you know, it's just, it's, it's such a, an interesting, um, yeah. And I think contrast. as well, because of, because of living on, um, on the East coast rather than the West coast, um, mm -hmm. he was quite isolated, um, in terms of bodybuilding. I don't know what the bodybuilders were there, but obviously with the, the stuff of Arnold, he, there's like a whole gang of them, but then the stuff of Lou, it's just him and his dad. And so, you know, he's sort of, seems quite detached from this kind of like we say the culture. Venice Beach kind of hub and culture of bodybuilding yeah. Yeah. so um so yeah it's the, I think that sort of comes into play as well um uh so yeah we kind of go from some more of those training scenes into our first kind of evil Arnold scenes as I like to call them <laughs> where um uh, I can't remember which um, bit comes first, whether he's talking the uh, talking about his dad's funeral or if it's um, the stuff about Franco, where he's like, "He's a boy and uh, I am his father." <laughs> you know? Yeah, he goes, "Franco's a child, and on the day yeah. of the contest, I'm his father." Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think we've already sort of touched on this, but I made a note just saying Arnold's confidence just basically oozes off of the screen. You know, he is not shy in any way shape or form he will just talk himself up um you know and i think uh just how much of his character was like that before bodybuilding i think there was some of some of that but i think bodybuilding probably just helped him just how helped feed his confidence even more because he knew that he just wasn't going to be beaten he was just like the top dog, the alpha male. Um, and so he did not need to feel kind of insecure about anything really. Yeah, um, yeah. and it's strange cause we were talking about the triggers of, of kind of why people get like this. And 
like I say, I read um, Arnold's Education of a Bodybuilder, and there didn't, you know, there didn't seem to be any kind of stuff in his childhood that made him want to do this. Um, it, it sounded like he's just a very focused guy, and yes. he's, he sort of said that he tried team sports, but none of those worked out for him, and he kind of um, fell into bodybuilding through doing some of these other sports, and it just clicked, and... Mm-hmm. I think um, with Arnold, it's just that he is focused. He know well. He knew exactly what steps he wanted to take to get where he was. So he did the bodybuilding to become the best bodybuilder in the world, which he achieved. He then set his sights on Hollywood, became the biggest action star, um, you know, of that time, probably, you know, uh, maybe of all time. Um, and then he set his sights on the political side of things became governor of california you know he's a very driven guy and um i think uh this uh, documentary is just a really good insight into that kind of mentality of his mm-hmm. um yeah you, you see um, all of the schwarzenegger doesn't strike me as a guy that loses very often uh, no. <laughs> he, this, his confidence is on another level you know some people you you know you can see through the facade that they're trying to convince themselves, but I love how confident he is because he truly believes it. Yeah. And oh, that's yeah. the incredible part is, is the mental <laughs> side of this, this culture, the mental side of anything is often the most difficult thing to do. The mental side of getting up in the morning and going to the gym at four thirty, or even just us getting out of bed, but to have that mental lockdown, that's what made Arnold great. That's what, he even talks about that in the film is what separates, you know, the the contenders from the pretenders is the the mental ability to keep pushing to squeeze out those last few reps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think who do you think has a bigger ego, Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, uh, good question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough one, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe Arnold. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Arnold too. Yeah. Because I, I I think Sly is also a little more vulnerable. He had some stuff in his childhood that maybe yeah, made him. Yeah. A little more vulnerable, but Arnold just will not be denied. He's a fucking cyborg, man. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, I think I think, like you say as well, because Arnold just doesn't know defeat. <laughs> yes, that's, that's right. <laughs> you know, just because of that, he yeah. probably just uh, yeah. I got I got is just inflated that much more. Whereas with Sly, I think. Yeah, there's some scar tissue at least with Sly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Maybe I should have thrown Frank Stallone in the mix too. <laughs> <laughs> Judging from his music videos, I'm gonna give it to Frank. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> that guy oozes confidence as well. <laughs> Nobody rocks a skinny headband and tight shirt like Frank Stallone, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we then move on to. Um, uh, lunch with Arnie and Louie and his family and uh, it's just a great scene uh, Arnie sort of you know eating his fried eggs or whatever going, you know he's he's talking about pumping up he's talking about psyching me out she's talking about my mother yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous yeah. Oh yeah, he's shaking the egg. <laughs> yeah, he's shaking the egg. Yeah, you, you can tell when Ferrigno's around Schwarzenegger. There's this sense of obviously, you know, high regard, and yeah. that he, you know, he admires him. It's like seeing a movie star or somebody you really love, and at the same time, this 
sort of almost bully, like yes. almost shrunken bully type mentality that Ferrigno totally. has away yeah. from Arnie because of Arnie's confidence. Like, you know, Ferrigno's not that character. He's not that dude. And uh, even though he might be a very confident man now, I don't know. I haven't, you know, spoke to him. I've seen him in interviews and stuff, and he seems like it because he's, unlike Schwarzenegger, he's maintained most of his looks. I mean, Ferrigno still looks pretty impressive. He looks great for yeah. his age, yeah. yeah. He's in his 60s now, and the guy's still literally, quote-unquote, pumped. And I'm uh, willing to bet you a lot, there's a small measure, there's, there's a something inside Louis now that he is very thrilled at seeing how flabby Arnie is compared to him now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no doubt that that's uh, like that, even in the even in the the making of Pump Guy yeah. when they get together and Louis like I still got it yeah. like as if he's, <laughs> his Arnold shows up he's a bit flabby he's wearing leather pants and yeah. Louis in much leather jacket <laughs> Louis in much better shape and yeah. he's like yep nothing's changed yeah. <laughs> and Louis Louis might be thinking about doing that Ken Waller thing in the corner after he sees that right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like yes I'm not gonna do a Louis I'm not gonna do a Louis impersonation because that would be rude. <laughs> I don't like yes. doing those impersonations. I can do one, but I won't do it. <laughs> I love I love Ferrigno so much. That's a childhood thing, though. He's the Hulk. He's the Hulk forever and always. The Incredible Hulk is Lou Ferrigno. Yep. Um. Uh. Yeah, and, and the other thing with those sort of scenes of Arnie and Lou's family is he genuinely seems like he's like. Uh, I don't know. He's he's kind of having a laugh with them. He's not in a not in a sort of spiteful way. He's just trying to. I don't know. I think some of the stuff about like with the the shake and the forehead. Oh, I'm scared. I think that's Arnie's way of trying to break the ice and you know go look. You know, I <laughs> I am this uh, sort of guy full of this charisma and, and stuff. But you know, um, I you know. I think he, the bodybuilding, like I say, in the bodybuilding community was quite sort of tight knit and small, and so it was like a weird kind of little family. And I, I don't think, yeah, um, Arnie, Arnie wanted to win, obviously, so it was that kind of psychological edge there. But at the same time, he didn't want to kind of um, isolate people, or you know, I think he from there's a few scenes like the, the shaking of the egg, and then there's one where they're in this back seat on a bus, and they're both kind of like trying to spread their shoulders and sort of sitting that's up a great and, scene. and you know it did it, it's just stuff like that and you think actually they they kind of must have got on fairly well it doesn't look like they're kind of there's any sort of hidden tension or yeah animosity between them that's also that's also i'm sorry i'm sorry will sorry i mean cut you off go ahead oh no no just so you get the sense that arnold as much as he's a bit passive aggressive with louis and Louis Prince, you get the sense that he genuinely respects and likes Louis's family. Yeah, too, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Arnie does. Uh, he goes into a few things. I mean, you can tell he doesn't really. His family life was a little different. To his dad, yeah. Mex military, and blah blah blah. But uh, you also get in that moment. You get to see. You can really see how big Ferrigno is compared to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. Man. Because Louis's sitting there, and he does the thing where he sets up, and then Arnie kind of stands up a little bit. Because <laughs> Arnie's kind of making fun of the fact that Louis's going to take his. Uh, his uh, jacket off. Yeah. Arnie's kind of like, whoa, man, whoa, you know, because <laughs> Ferrigno is yeah, so he huge. He leans over, he's, he's, rib he's kind of ribbing the mother, like, oh. You <laughs> yeah. know. Make room for, uh, you know, this gigantic dude. Yeah. This <laughs> because, again, like I say, not, nobody at that, at that point had seen a bodybuilder of Lou Ferrigno's size. He, no. just, yeah. he burst on the scene, and everybody was like, Jesus, look at this giant, you know. 
I mean, he's like he's like your professional wrestlers now that yeah, are all yeah, in their yeah, you know definitely. mid you know like I think The Rock is six five or six six or something like that and just gigantic and you know you think about how you got to think about how big that is if you're around and I think Will <laughs> I think Will you're about six foot right yep yeah and I'm a little bit under six foot and stuff so we we think about these guys being six five six eight six nine. <laughs> And you know, yeah, three hundred and forty pounds of muscle. That's a that's a big person. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's pretty insane to think about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, we then kind of move on to the final competition, and you've got the the um, Arnold sort of psych out in the uh, in the pump up room, <laughs> um, <laughs> where he sort of he's just prowling around, just going. I watch you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That scene itself, that one scene right there, I just have a feeling if, if the filmmakers and stuff were in that room, that little room, the smell in that room <laughs> must have been ungodly between the baby oil and the pumping and the sweating and everybody in there and the there body would have been a heat. lot of gas because because the milk of the way like the protein they would drink man a lot of gas oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> just baby, baby oil and ass baby a typical ggtmc afternoon <laughs> it probably smells a lot like um horror hand weekend smells yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or ken waller's fingers for that matter <laughs> Oh man! I hope Ken Waller never listens to podcasts. <laughs> Come after my ass! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, man. <laughs> I might get three fingered. Um, so then we uh, have the final kind of pose off on stage, um, and yeah, just uh, again more scenes of the crowd going wild. Arnie just obviously lapping it up. He, you know, he, like we said, he just loves that attention, that kind of focus on him. Um, and uh, so Arnie wins. Um, and I think um, he actually came back. Uh, I think he sort of, uh, we mentioned earlier, he won like five in a row. And then I think he had a couple of years off. Uh, where he didn't actually compete in bodybuilding. So I think he kind of, that was when he first started focusing on his um, film career. So he made like the Hercules film and Stay Hungry and he was in a couple of other films. And then they made the Pumping Iron book, um, which kind of spawned this documentary. And I think because the book had been such a success, they needed Arnie to kind of do the film. So he came back to this sort of, one last time as it were um and yeah one again um uh and then uh sort of uh after they've all come off stage you just see lou getting wiped wiped all the oil kind of wiped off of him with this towel and it's just you just can't imagine how kind of wet and soggy that towel must have been you know you could probably fry it or something <laughs> Um, and then uh, uh, you get the uh, the classic scene of of Arnold smoking a doobie uh, oh, yeah. with the uh, fried chicken man. Arnold is uh, numero uno t-shirt, um, sort of yeah. reclining on the sofa with everyone just surrounding him, just again, just kind of loving all the 
all the attention because he is the the, the numero uno, and um, yeah, just lapping it up. Um, I've always wanted to buy so, that T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's all my kind of notes on the film. Nice. I just posted a photo of The Rock about six or seven years ago, and The Rock now on the Facebook group. Uh, and I just <laughs> just to kind of give everybody you know live updates, and I just put um. <laughs> wow talk about a massive difference in a physique i mean seriously oh. dude. <laughs> you see what i'm talking about i guess huh look at his neck oh <laughs> no, look God. at his shoulders dude holy <laughs> fuck i mean it, it's almost like a comic book drawing of the rock holy <laughs> fuck oh man somebody's Jeez. working it that's all i'm gonna say hey uh will go ahead you got anything else you want to add uh yeah, I'll kind of keep it short because we we definitely got to devote some time to the to the Samurai Cop. This is one of my favorite documentaries. I'm glad that uh, Chris yeah. picked it because yeah. I think it does get overlooked now because we're in a great age for documentaries, and this was one of the first ones that really uh, reached a lot of people and kind of transcended its uh, medium and became a bit of a pop cultural thing. Um, I do want to tell people that if you've never seen this, as we always say with great documentaries, um. You don't need to be into bodybuilding, and it is available on YouTube in its entirety. I would say buy the two di- or the the special edition, the twenty fifth anniversary. It's cheap, but if you can, the, watch um, it on YouTube. We're saying that the extras from the anniversary edition are also on YouTube. There's oh, like nice, a, nice. They're all they've all been spliced together on one uh, one clip. So yeah. Oh, good. Good to know. Um, this was a time when uh, you know I, I used to work out a lot. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. You're familiar with Dorian Yates at all, Chris? No, I don't know the name. No, I think he's from Staffordshire. Hmm. No. He's uh, he he was Mr. Olympia in the in the early '90s. He was the bodybuilder in the '90s. But I remember watching oh, okay. like old old videos. He would make fucking training in like it would look like Lou, ironically like Louis' uh, gym. Just an animal, man. I mean, he was just, <laughs> you know. But but this is the time when I used to work out. You know, watch this for inspiration and stuff. And but anyway, uh, all that aside. Um, I think this is a great choice because it shows masculine identity turned up to 11. There is some, you know, homoeroticism. There's, there's the villain, yeah. the good guy <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's there. There's the homoeroticism. There's, I, mean. there's, I think yeah. the whole spectrum of male uh, ego, male psyche, uh, the me- mental makeup of, 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 uh, of the male is, uh, is on display. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken Waller does have some pretty interesting fashion choices. He wears a weight belt to play football. <laughs> um, but what's better than that is near the end, after Mr. Olympia or during it, he's he's sort of seen the crowd. What a fucking medallion he's wearing around his neck. Yeah, baby. <laughs> he's got a real impressive medallion. I know. In the, um, in the documentary, he talks about how much fun he had in the seventies, and I can see it, Kenny, baby. I can see it. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Uh, I love Arnold's milk is for babies. When you grow up, drink beer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's pretty great. Um, milk this is, is for a really babies. well edited. Milk is for babies. Uh, there's I, this is a really well edited documentary too. Like the stuff where they cut from Venice to Brooklyn and mm-hmm. and Ferrigno. Ironically, we talked about Arnie being Monero, Tony Monero. Well, Ferrigno is the anti-Monero in Monero's home city. He's got the glasses, the plaid shirt. He's very unassuming, and he's in this dark kind of plywood fucking gym. And yeah. you know, it's uh, <laughs> that gym's a dismal place, man. <laughs> oh, geez, it's depressing. It looks like something they would film a snuff film in. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, just, it's just awful looking, man. Um, 
squats are very hard just to get back to the shits thing <laughs> squats <laughs> will make you feel and you will throw up if you squat a lot like i've thrown up from squatting yeah. it's it's terrible man <laughs> um one thing we didn't talk about that I've always, probably the one of the most amazing things in this documentary is when franco fucking blows up a hot water bottle like a balloon <laughs> yeah oh yes oh yeah. my god it's uh, it's amazing uh and the moment with the uh when they get in south africa when the uh, maid at the hotel says to arnold what kind of special woman do you like and he's like i like them all big tits oh, small tits <laughs> big ass no ass that's <laughs> a great arnold moment yes um <laughs> yeah. this, uh, politically correct this, as always <laughs> oh yeah, it's fantastic. The, the story about his dad is bullshit. I, I had to look it up. Yeah. It's not yeah. true. Yeah. Um, well, he supposedly you know, a lot of the stories. Yeah. Uh, supposedly a lot of his stories are uh, bullshit. But th that's what makes Arnold yeah. Arnold, right? I think mm -hmm. um, that that story. I think again in the um, the making of documentary, he he admits that it was fake. But I think he said that he'd heard another bodybuilder. Yeah. say that story so it was kind of rooted in in truth so it's like whoa <laughs> is this uh this yeah. picture i just posted on facebook is that really him curling that much weight i uh, just, just i have to look i'm yeah. on the floor go, right now go, on the medicine we'll go, ball just go ahead uh while you're talking now uh, you can look at it on the break I don't um, that seems like an abnormal amount of weight to curl but uh maybe I'll, yeah I'll, I'll take a look and tell you <laughs> Jesus. I, I know the plate sizes and stuff the weights um the tough tits, the toughest tits in the world were on display in this film. Yes, um, yes. Uh, just a great, a great Lou, this kind of sums up Lou, I think, the moment near the end when I think Arnold, it's Arnold's birthday and he kind of leads everyone singing happy birthday Lou and, and Arnold says, Lou, what do you have to say? And he says, I have nothing to say, I just want to eat my cake. It's like such, yeah. I think that kind of yeah. sums it all up, you know, the yeah. little boy kind of. Yeah, that's yeah, Lou. You know. That right. Shy, kind that's of, you good. know, unassuming. That's, that's Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And Lou never really reached the heights of bodybuilding that that he would have hoped, just for what it's worth. Yeah. He never won. He never. He never won the Olympic. I think the best he ever did was finish fourth or fifth. So, well, I think because um, I was looking up the other day what he did, and I think he retired the same year. Um, and I think it was basically because they didn't earn any money from it. He just couldn't earn a living. He was working in a an iron factory or steel factory or something, um, and he wanted to quit that job because um, he'd seen like one of his hand, one of his friends get his hand chopped off or something. I think it said on the wiki oh page. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think he made a choice um, probably off the back of pumping iron the 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 profile it gave him. He could then make the move into Hollywood like Arnold did, um, and therefore then not have to kind of carry on with trying to scrape together a living whilst doing all the the bodybuilding and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and I also, I think um, he wanted to beat Arnold um, because Arnold was retiring that year. Yeah. Whether he just sort of thought, well, I'm, I'm not that bothered about carrying on with the, the competing side of bodybuilding. I'll just carry on with the, the kind of personal side. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame that those two, I was saying to Rick, it's a shame that those two never did a film together. Yeah, definitely. It is. It is. Uh, is that all your notes, though, Will? Yo, yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep it short. Yeah. yeah, I don't have much to add either, but I just want to say this is also one of my favorite documentaries. Uh, it's just great. I mean, uh, I hadn't seen it since the VHS days. That's how long ago it had been. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I remembered it and stuff, but it was almost like watching a new film again. It was really just kind of, you know, great. And everybody knows I'm a big documentary guy anyway. 
Now, this is easily for me probably one of my favorite documentaries of all time. Uh, I mean, <laughs> if I was going to do like a top ten of documentaries, I mean, this would be right oh, yeah. in there, definitely. Yeah, this would be in there for me too, man. I'm a big, big, big fan. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great, great film. I high recommend, super high recommend. So, let's get into our MVTs, make or breaks, and whatnot. Anybody got it? who wants to go first? Chris. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my make or break scene, I was sort of quite a few things that I wanted to kind of choose, but um, ended up with the Mike Katz losing scene just because mm. it is just like Good really, call. really cuts to kind of what this documentary is about. It's like the human side of the the bodybuilding, you know. Um, uh, close second were the, the scenes with Arnold and Lou's family again it wasn't the, the bodybuilding itself it's just those like human interactions um, then the MVT um, just muscle <laughs> just couldn't, yeah. couldn't really uh, choose anything else <laughs> muscles alright What's the, what was the score again? Do you have a score? Oh, my score, uh, ooh, uh, probably an 8.5. It's quite nice. high. Nice. But yeah, no, it's, it's like you guys, it's one of my favorite documentaries. Like I say, I try and watch it probably once a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's great stuff. Will, what's your um, MVTs, Make or Breaks? Make or Break are the scenes with Arnold and Lou and Lou's family. It just You see the contrast between yeah. these two hulking men, but the completely different emotional and psychological makeup of them. Um, so I think it's fantastic. My MVT is uh, the man who would be numero uno, that is Arnold. Um, <laughs> this would have been great without him, but he, like a lot of the stuff, you know, he elevates it. His charisma is just so on display, man. It's just really fantastic. And my scores are just a little tiny bit higher than yours, man. It's an 8.75. Yeah. It's uh, Nice. Fucking great documentary, man! Like I really th- hope that people that listen to our show that maybe are put off by the the with the, the perception of kind of the musclehead culture who haven't seen this will take the time to see it. I'd be curious to see like people like Wendy Freeman and Christina and and uh, the 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 feminine critique girls, all all the ladies, Emily in Baltimore, everyone to check it out. You know, from a female perspective and kind of look at this yeah. this male psyche on display. It's it's fascinating stuff. It would be interesting to hear a female's perspective on this film. Really would. Yeah, big time. When, I've not seen it myself, but Pumping Iron Two was uh, the women, oh, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, I got to see it. I've never seen it either, man. Yeah, I got to see that Fuck. as well. You know what we should do, Chris? You know what we should do, Chris? Uh, you know, some sometime down the road, maybe the end of the year, or something. We should get you back on. Well, we should cover the second one, man. Yeah, yeah definitely. With, with, no, with yeah, Holly, with that. Hollywood Cop, with Hollywood Cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, uh, my make or break is the uh, the kind of genius editing that sets up the Lou Ferrigno uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, com- competition. I really like the way they decided to be it real or not throw uh, uh, Ferrigno in this dingy gym with wood paneling <laughs> and put you know uh, Arnold on the beach with his buddies hanging out taking naps, you know, while Lou's working his ass off going Arnold, Arnold. You know, fucking, you know, fucking uh, Schwarzenegger's just sleeping on fucking Venice Beach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I really love the way they set up the, I think the genius documentary filmmakers really know how, you got to remember, docu- angles to work, yeah. right? They're still films, you know, they're films and uh, they're there for both, you know, entertainment and to kind of give you an inside look at some of that stuff. So it's uh, it's really great. It, re- it really is. I think it's some of the more genius stuff in the uh, in the film is the way they set up a couple of those angles. 
and uh, my MVT is also Arnie. It's hard to it's hard for it not to be Arnie. He is this the central focus of the film. But man, this guy. <laughs> I mean, talk about a salesman. Nobody could sell himself like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He, <laughs> he, he was going to be whatever he wanted to be in his life. It's obvious to me. Yeah. And he exudes confidence, man. Even Tony Robbins probably goes to him and says, hey, I need help. <laughs> you know, and Arnie's like, look, you just do it, Tony. <laughs> you just do it. Do you need some air? Anyway, uh, <laughs> my score for the film is a little bit higher than both of yours. Mine's a nine out of ten. Oh, nice. I think this film is. Nice. A, I think this film's a near masterpiece. I really do. I think it's one of the great documentaries and a great example of the form. Mm, and uh, even if you had no interest in this material, no interest whatsoever, and I could say I had a waning interest. I mean, obviously, I went through the muscle years and I worked out for a while. Finger in the finger in the butthole years. Yeah, yeah. I went through. <laughs> I went through the finger, the butthole fingering years. You know. <laughs> Yeah, the Franco Colombo tossing salad years. I went through those years, you know. <laughs> and uh, but you know, I got out pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. It left a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> and a few straight hairs, I bet. Yeah, yeah fucking fucking egg corny man. He he guy needed to fucking trim anyway. <laughs> You guys got to look up Ed Corny to know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, I just think it's a great film and a great example of the form. And uh, I hope we did it justice with this review. <laughs> I think we, I think we did, though. So uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk about the, the one and only Samurai Cop, <laughs> which I'm laughing for another reason. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> People of Eternia, I stand before the great eye of the Potosphere, chosen by destiny by the powers of Lipson. <laughs> this inevitable moment will transpire before your eyes, even as He-Man himself bears witness to it. Now I, Baby Skeletor, am master of the action attraction. <laughs> action attraction. Your home for all things action. To find out more, visit metalmikey.lipson.com or search for action attraction in iTunes. song's called Huffer, but, uh, you know, kind of reminds me of bodybuilding for some reason. I don't know why. Very strange. <laughs> that picture of The Rock is ridiculous, man. Isn't it, man? <laughs> that guy is seriously pumping up, man. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah. Even Vince McMahon's like, money, money, money. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But he's glad he's got him under contract still. All right. So, um, <laughs> how to even begin to synopsize this next film? Uh, but uh, somebody in the genius of uh, IMDb did it quite succinctly and perfectly. Samurai Cop, 1989, from uh, a director, Amir Shervin, 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 Shervin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
a samurai cop and his sidekick go after the Yakuza. Boom. There you go. That's it. That's all you need, baby. That's, that's the kind of synopsis I like. They've got it wrong. It's not the Yakuza. It's the uh, Katana gang. It should just be called the mullet gangs. What the fuck it should be called? <laughs> fuck me, man. Anyway. Uh, it's clear that the top knot has been replaced by the mullet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so rather infamously, Samurai Cop has gone down in history as one of the quote unquote worst movies ever made. Um, to kind of give everybody kind of a background, uh, I'm sure most of our listeners are going to be familiar with Samurai Cop in some way. It should also be said that our guest, uh, Chris, he's a huge uh, Zadar fan. Uh, one of the and Shervan uh, fan, yeah, oh, and Shervan yeah. fan, yeah. One of the biggest Zadar fans we know. Uh, as a matter <laughs> of fact, he's always dropping some Z- uh, knowledge on us over here at the GGTMC. <laughs> And uh, it, it, it's always great to have Robert Zadar on, and and I think you're, we're going to you know kind of go through why when we talk about this film a little bit. Um, uh, I don't know who wants to lead on. I don't know if you want to, Will. Uh, I mean, I, I can if you don't feel like it. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, I'm happy to, uh, as always. But you know, okay, uh, I can sure unless you want to. Um, no, I'll just do my usual thing. I'll, 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 okay. Well, you know what? No, you know what? I do. I do want to. Okay. <laughs> it's it's funny. Sometimes you just really want to, and this is an example of really wanting to. Uh, enough, plus, I got a lot I of fucking. You, I got a lot of fucking notes here. Uh, okay, so <laughs> uh, right from the beginning, uh, the order of the katana. We fight. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Right? Uh, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so Matt Hannon, the 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 prototypical Joe Marshall samurai cop. Now, Matt Hannon's an interesting guy. He only did two films. Um, you can see that he, you know, and uh, sadly he died uh, this past Are year. Are you sure that was him? Because there's been some talk if that was really him or if it was a different Matt Hannon. I'd be curious to know. I really would. Uh, cause, Chris, uh, do you know any more than we do? No, I was trying to um, look him up last night and see if I could find any info. That there's just nothing about him. Um, funnily enough, as well as the acting on IMDb, he's got, also got two... Um, yeah. Carpenter credits, yeah. one of which was Night of the Creeps. Yeah, he was. <laughs> so then it might be the same guy. Sadly, yeah. then he was a carpenter on Night of the Creeps and the remake of The Blob. And uh, then he that's ended amazing. up in a film called American Revenge, which I've never seen, but uh, that's got a great title. Uh, ooh, James Van Patten and Matt Hannon. We might have... <laughs> ooh. Uh, ooh, maybe I won't watch that one. Anyway, it's got a lower score than Samurai Cop. <laughs> um, but he only did a couple films and. Okay, first of all, let me get this out of the way. This film is known as a trash masterpiece, as a, and a, and as as a an example of what not to do right. I got to be wear my heart on my sleeve here and say that this is easily not the worst film I've ever seen made. It, it's not Quite even the odd, yeah, yeah yeah it it's actually very entertaining and I think it has very little downtime. I think it oh, I think. It moves along pretty crisply. I don't know if you guys agree. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it absolutely just, does. Yeah, yeah. And this I, is exactly what this kind of this is how you make a film like this. With all due respect to Miami Connection, but this or Stabilizer or Lethal Hunter or some of these other films, they deserved, I think, more of the the Gonzo crazy action acclaim that Connection got. I don't. I'm not hating on Connection. I love it. I'm glad it's got the acclaim, but. These films, and I'm glad they're coming out of obscurity now because they deserve to be seen by a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Now, 
the probably the if, if there's anything really you could say about this film is it's just it's very at times it's just very incompetent uh, with editing and things. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably where the weakness of this film comes. Now, the acting is up to any person. It's in the eye of the beholder. But for me, the acting is just fine. <laughs> uh, I got to say, if there's a really bad actor in the film, quote unquote bad, uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe the... Uh, Maybe the police captain for me. Maybe. Oh no, he was he was great, man. Yeah, that, I'm great. saying. Great I'm, lines too. I'm saying maybe because it's tough. Maybe <laughs> maybe Melissa Moore is the female cop. She's been on the show before in the Great Killing Zone. And she was also on the show with the Winorski one we did. Oh um, yeah, hard to die. That's right. Hard to die. Yeah, she always likes to show her breasts, and she does have nice breasts. And, that, that's her strength. And, but uh, not just her breasts, but she always likes to show her long ass. In the <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of long asses oh, in this film, man. There's a lot of long asses in this film. <laughs> Night of the Long Asses could have been an alternate <laughs> title for this film. Um, but yeah, I don't think. And of course, the 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 buddy, the Frank Washington character, the the cop partner uh they you know they, they do the cutaway scenes that's not bad acting as much as it's bad editing uh yeah. oh god you know, the action stuff <laughs> when come on shoot him shoot him yeah, come shoot. on shoot 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 him yeah. <laughs> and then shoot. the reactions <laughs> and the reaction shots when hannon is, is, is supposed to have run over someone <laughs> oh yeah that's, that's a classic moment right there i, I love it yeah so that, i wanted to get that out of the way because I think that this film, I understand where people take the bad film angle. Yeah, compared to Oscar winners, heavy dramas, blah, blah, blah. It's not that kind of film. But for this genre of movie, this is a perfectly competent, in my opinion, uh, straight-to-video action movie, which I don't even know if it was straight-to-video at the time. It was probably released slightly. But either way, no, maybe not. It was 89, so maybe not. It's probably on the tail end. VHS is probably getting pretty big at this point, but uh, or big at this point. But, uh, yeah, I don't think this is, you know... I've I've seen incompetent film, uh, well, really bad films. This is not even close. Because I'll tell you, I have so much fun watching this that as soon as it's over, every time I watch Samurai Cop, as soon as it's over, I want to watch it again. Oh, agreed. It's just one of those movies that you can't. I don't know if if you have that sensibility, you know what I'm talking about. But it is just infinitely entertaining uh, for many reasons. Um, Let's see here. Uh, one of them being the age-old, old, low-budget trick of uh, you know ADR over uh, master shots from a distance. <laughs> now, the, I talked a little earlier. I teased a little earlier about Matt Hannon's hair. It's obvious to me that Matt Hannon probably had a haircut somewhere during the production, because I'm telling you, man, in the first shot you see Matt Hannon come around the corner with that ball cap on with Frank. Oh my God! That's a fucking wig, bro. And that's not only just a wig. That's a female wig. You can it's, see the curls. That hat looks so little and askew on his head. <laughs> yeah, it's it, and, and there's a scene toward the end too with uh, him and Zadar where it, it there's close-ups and you can tell it's the wig again. And of course, there's a I think there's a stunt double. No, I don't know if it's a stunt double because it would be hard to stunt double uh, Hannon's body, but maybe it is. I don't know. I think he did most of his own stunts though. The stuff off the roof and stuff like that. I think that's him. So could be wrong, but I think it is him. Uh, I love the double denim look. Matt rocks it, man. Double, you know, he's got the uh, oh, yeah. denim. Anybody that rocks the denim shirt and the pants, uh, you know, they're after my heart, obviously. Uh, you, only a few people can get away with that, bro. 
Uh, sort of, um, he sort of teams it up with a, a leather bomber jacket. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. well, he's got, yeah, he's got the Tom Cruise Top Gun leather bomber jacket. <laughs> and Hannon's playing this role, for those who haven't seen this, Hannon's playing this role as the kind of smug uh, cop, you know, the gum-chewing, uh, I'm a badass motherfucker, the guy that saw Pumping Iron too many times in the 70s <laughs> kind of a look. But Matt Hannon, he's a freak of nature in his body. He is one of these... He looks like the cartoons that uh, DC did in the in the 2000s and the 90s. You know what I'm talking about? Those really square shoulders. Yeah, yeah. He has insanely square shoulders, and yeah, he does. and it narrows down into this waist and legs that are in, he's got the V. Yeah, he's a total V. He's got the V. And yeah. he, he is, and you really get to see that in this film when he gets the speedos on. <laughs> oh, and, and and we get we're lucky we get a few speedo scenes, but I don't know if you've mentioned yet, but. But uh, Joe is very much a cop who plays by his own rules. Yes, very much so. <laughs> very much so, including singing happy birthday in a Speedo. Very few cops do that, buddy. I'm going to tell you right now. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, unless, unless those cop uniforms tear away. Yeah. Oh, that would have been classic. He, uh, the, the, the car the cops are driving, this kind of Chevrolet Impala that, uh, you know, Siobhan obviously just found somewhere. <laughs> I love that the production is so cheap that when they have the interiors, you can see that the interior, uh, the upholstery is like duct taped to the ceiling to keep it from hanging down on top of the actors. <laughs> it's fucking classic, man. Uh, I got a note here that's total me, but it, now after the pumping iron review, I can see I could swear Melissa Moore has a very hairy asshole. I don't know. Nice. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was the shadowing of the print I saw, but uh, <laughs> anyway, the thong was doing her no favors. So, <laughs> one of my f- favorite scenes in any movie in cinema history, and this goes up there with fucking the classics, the Gone with the Winds, the Citizen Kane's. I don't care. I'll hold this till I, the day I die. One of my favorite I hope scenes. You're gonna mention what I'm hoping you're gonna mention. Well, I hope so too. Uh, but uh, this is one of mine. The image of Robert Zadar coming out of a laundry hamper (laughs) is up there. The idea that Robert Zadar (laughs) is being pushed around (laughs) and why he would even bother doing this and hiding in a lab coat inside the hamper. It's obvious he's he's never seen. He, he he goes through the process of getting into costume, but he decides he's going to get in the hamper instead with his katana blade. And by the way, in Zadar's hands, the katana blade looks more like a miniature Louisville slugger bat or something like that. Oh yeah, and you know what's you know what's almost as good, or maybe even better than than Zadar getting into the hamper or um, out of the hamper is Zadar getting back into the hamper. Oh, I love after it. The act is done. I love it so much. That whole montage, and there's a great the uh, quotable line. His lips are burned. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it looks like most oh, of the dude is burned. <laughs> that's that's great. The nurse says, uh, "What does she say? Something like, can he talk?" And she's like, "He can't talk. His, his lips-, lips are burned." <laughs> <laughs> All you can see is the guy's teeth. No shit, his lips are burned. That's it. They, they, like I don't know who gauzed him, but that nurse be fired because if he's that badly burned, ooh, uh, yeah, and he can't breathe. His wounds are just covered. Yeah, that's and a I'm, bad scene for that guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna surely have- they should be changing his bandages every half hour if they're getting that. Yeah, if he's that bloody. Yeah, if if they're that bloody, yes, he needs to be changed like regularly because if if he's that badly burned, I mean, that gauze is going to stick. It's just going to be like skin and it's going to, every time they take it off, it's going to be like he's getting burned all over again. It's just like they're tearing off new skin that's trying to come back. So, 
Um, but yeah, that the scene of him coming out of that uh, laundry hamper is, is one the way he it, he perfectly fits like squarely into that hamper as well and he just sort of rises out (laughs) yeah he does he just kind of comes it's like a it's like a magician it's like david copperfield coming out of the stage hang on guys hang on you guys keep talking okay but uh yeah it's just it's a classic moment and uh, again like i say it's one of the great moments now robert zadar we've talked about him on this show before and chris i'm sure you've heard us talk about him before now he's an, an unusual looking man yeah he has a very strong jaw and in this film he rocks a beard but it is inarguable, in my opinion, that Robert Zadar is actually a very talented actor. Oh, definitely. Easily. Um, just his intensity in most of the scenes in this film is just incredible. You know, I'm, I'm always amazed that he didn't kind of appear in anything bigger. I know he was in Tango and Cash, but yeah. just as a, a henchman in some of those other kind of big action movies he would have just been perfect but, yeah yeah you know whether that was a personal choice on his part or you know no one ever sort of wanted to put him in those parts i don't know but it just seems like a wasted opportunity really it really does and we've had him on the show now on a, in a few very quote-unquote low budget films and and some of these films i mean we're talking budgets that you know i don't even know what they were but they had to be <laughs> super low but what I like about Robert Zadar, it's a great example of what our friend over at the Mondo Film Podcast, Justin, always says, is there's no, he always talks about there being no really bad performances, just bad films. Yeah. And Zadar, for me, is always good in everything he's in, even if the film is total shit. Yeah, and, yeah. He always brings his A game, you know. Yeah. Um, now, he treats it, regardless of what it is, he treats it seriously, I believe. I don't know if this is true. Maybe he just carries that intensity because he just has a certain look and everything. But I feel like he carries the intensity. Now, it can be laughed at. Yeah, sure, if you're in that kind of mood. I mean, we just laughed at the scene of him coming out of a laundry hamper. But he's still very earnest in that performance of him coming out. Yeah, well, yeah, he played it totally straight. Yeah. He could have. That's the key. Yeah. I think that's the key to, to being a great actor. Now, obviously, you know, I wouldn't consider him up there with like the real great actors of all time, but as a B movie actor, I think Robert Zadar is one of the greats. I think that yeah. he's, uh, unfortunately, he's been in some shit films, but, and uh, some things have haven't gone his way recently. But uh, obviously, I think, and I know Will agrees, he's not here right now, and I know you agree because we've talked about Robert Zadar before, yeah. that he is one of those actors who just brings something to every film he's in. Yeah, definitely. And uh, he's special. I mean, he just—he's special. It's fun to—it's fun to kind of poke around about his name, you know, his jaw, all of these things. But the reality is, Robert Zadar is a talented thespian, in my opinion. So, and I'll—and I'll go to my grave believing that. I really will. Um, will you back? Oh, I guess not. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The uh, this film has some of the most uncomfortable sexual innuendo I've ever seen in any film. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, it's it's to the point. It really feels like like a twelve year old kid writing dialogue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really Definitely. bad. It, it's really bad. I mean, it's, and it, a- it's easy to make fun of. It really is. So I'm not going to go into it too much. But uh, you know, it's a whole lot of big dick stuff. It's a whole lot of uh, you know, yeah. keep it warm. I'll keep it, it warm it, if you keep it up, and blah blah blah, that kind of shit. It was it was when the the slutty nurse just sort of says to him, "They go through all this innuendo, and then she, even after all of that, she then goes." 
uh, would you like to fuck me? And he just looks at her and goes, bingo. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite moments in any film is watching Matt Hannon go, bingo. <laughs> it's just a classic moment, man. And, ah, uh, oh, man, I would have loved to have had an opportunity to talk to Matt Hannon. He probably wouldn't want to talk about this film. I mean, sadly, it looks like if he died at 56, if in fact it is him, he must have had, he must have gotten ill or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would have loved to have had an opportunity to talk to him about this movie and about his career Definitely. in general. I mean, he's only got the four credits, well, but... Because um, the other thing, I don't know if it's true or not, but the only other sort of bit of info I could find on him was that he was apparently one of Sylvester Stallone's bodyguards at one point as well. So yeah, could... whether that was true, who knows? I could see that. I could see that. He has a very, yeah. he has a very much a very Stallone physique, right? He does have the triangle yeah. going there too, the upside-down triangle. But the... Uh, yeah, he... Uh, He's fine in this film. He actually has some charisma. Uh, he's not. He's not. Don't get me wrong. He's not aces. He's not uh, great. But as as a B movie action hero, well, again, th- yeah, to only be in two films, it, it's sort of surprising, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, you know, he, it's easy to make fun of because he's got he's got a look. You know, I, I joked around about the double denim and the wigs and even his real hair and stuff, and of course the speedo and the happy birthday song. But I feel like I feel like he. He has a genuine look and a genuine charisma that I think they could have milked uh, for a director video career. Yeah, easily. Yeah, easily. Because, um, yeah, like you say, his performance isn't awful. He's got a look that they could easily market, you know. Yeah. There were plenty of other guys like that that went on to have successful careers at that kind of level so yeah yeah he, i mean he's easily up there with the, you know. the b-movie guys i mean I, I i don't even say that in some scenes he's a, a better actor than some people somebody hello, hello. hi <laughs> hi here you guys want to hear come here Braden. come here, come here. <laughs> the boys are awake you take one put this on your ear yeah put this on your ear <laughs> say hello 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 what's going hi. on buddy say hi chris hi chris say hey. hi rick Hi Rick. Hey guys. <laughs> Say hi, hi, uh, hi, Samurai Cop. Hi, Samurai Cop. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. Bingo. <laughs> I don't know. Just put on the TV for us. Bye. Put on the TV for us. I'm not going to watch TV. You got to watch TV. Daddy's going to finish our show. No. <laughs> okay, you got to be quiet then. Okay. I'm four now. I just turned four. I know. Honey, we have to finish our <laughs> On my birthday, October 24th is a long way now. <laughs> I know, but listen, we have to finish our show. We have to get that easier. Yeah. We we're back to the age old. Uh, uh, GGTM's thing of Will trying to trying to make a bargain yeah, with his sons okay, here. <laughs> and failing you miserably. You want to watch Apple TV? Want to watch YouTube? Want to watch Thomas? Okay, come on. Boom! There you go. Hey, okay, let's go see what's on Apple TV. Come on, quick, 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 quick. Come on, Spider Man! No! Hey, enough of that fighting in the morning. Boys, get your water. Get your water. Come on, quick, quick, quick. Get your water. Get your water. Get your water. Okay, then. Fine. Just get your water, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to the Samurai Cup. <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, back to the Samurai Cup review. <laughs> oh, Will and his uh, promises. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think Matt Hannon, uh, unfortunately, you know, sadly died young. And uh, it's really a shame that he didn't really do anything else after 89. I mean, he didn't die until 2012, but it looks like he may have just had a bad experience with this. Maybe just walked yeah. away. Uh, you know, maybe he couldn't handle. You know, some actors can't handle 
the kind of reputation you get from a B movie. Yeah. They wanted to be more, right? You know, they wanted, I mean, we all want to be successful at what we do. But, uh, and so it is, you know, maybe there's a certain amount of pride and stuff that, you know, Matt Hannon, maybe he just felt like he, you know, he didn't want to talk about that anymore. Because like you say, there's not really very much information about Matt Hannon anywhere. Nobody really knows anything about this guy. No. So it's like he almost disappeared off the face of the earth after this film. Um, so it is really a shame. I wish we, I wish we could reach out to somebody who knew him or knew some. I would love to talk to somebody who was really tight with him. And uh, yeah, um, and they're they're releasing. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be releasing it on Blu-ray, but I know they're sort of kind of. Uh, I can't remember the company, but there's going to be a new release of Samurai Cop coming out soon, and they're going to have a few kind of new interviews with I can't remember who but a couple of the people that were in the film so maybe that might shed some light on what kind of guy he was um, but yeah it's, it, there just seem, seems to be kind of a dead end as to what yeah. happened to him post Samurai Cop really. yeah yeah so back on point to the film, there is a lot of shots to the nuts in this film, man. Yes. The groin is it, it everybody in this film is susceptible to a groin shot. I mean, everybody <laughs> is leaving themselves wide open. I've never seen people get hit in the balls so much in any movie. <laughs> and the glee that Trevon shoots it with. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, definitely. It's like, oh man, look! I learned how to edit. He throws a kick, cut to balls, cut yeah. back to what master shot. Still a nut punch. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's getting hit in the nuts, and not only that, this movie is totally preoccupied with dicks and nuts. I mean, yeah. maybe unlike any film I've ever seen, this movie is totally preoccupied with the male genitalia. <laughs> It's to the point to where my fa- probably one of my favorite lines in the film is, "I'm gonna, re- <laughs> I want to relieve you of this gift, this black yes. gift." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Did he just say what I think he just fucking said?" And, and is he actually holding it as well? It looks like he's. I <laughs> know. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I mean, I have never seen any film that is so obsessed with, uh, like I say, male, male genitalia as this film is. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> But there's also like GGTMC porn uh, for us, like porn close-ups in this film, because you get like you know fingerless gloves getting handcuffed. Yeah, I mean for us, <laughs> for us, that's like you know it's like hitting a fetish, you know. And now you're getting a close-up of an arm getting handcuffed, but you're getting fingerless gloves getting handcuffed at that, you know. And the 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 second tier level henchmen in this film are a sight to behold. I mean, yeah, almost uh, a lot of mullets. <laughs> yeah, a lot of mullets, a lot of guys that are out of shape. <laughs> a lot of really big fat dudes yeah. and you know they're out of shape and they're running around it's 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 comical um, it's comical. an amazing shot where one of them uh near the end where one of them gets um shot and he's he's holding a uzi <laughs> and he, he's sort of spurting it off as he sort of slowly falls to the ground yeah. yeah yeah and this is one of those youtube type movies this one of the movies where you can because of some of its incompetent nature uh, and another one, I should say that the editing is one of the incompetent parts of it, but also some of the, you know, obviously the secondary acting is really incompetent from some of these second tier, but there's the scenes where, you know, people are obviously getting shot with paintball guns off, yes, yeah. off camera and the way they're reacting to these paintball shots is some of the worst reactions to paintballs I've ever seen in any movie. There's the, 
there's the one black dude who's got really bad hair, but he's got these big white pleated pants, and yeah. it's like he's on PCP because he's not reacting to the blood, like the shots. <laughs> yeah. And I was just telling Chris right before he came on that this has got those uh, GGTMC porn moments because it's got the close-ups of the fingerless gloves getting handcuffed. Oh yeah, yeah. it's great, man. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. great. I do apologize. No, uh, no problem. You know, <laughs> that's cool. I, I got, I got, I got, I got double teamed, man. They yeah. both came down the stairs like uh, juggernaut. I, I love. I had to appease them. Yeah, I love listening to you try to make a bargain with your son. It's, it's become <laughs> well, a GGTMC. You're trying to make a deal, like okay, okay, okay. You guys to stay in here, but you got to be quiet. <laughs> like, well, then yeah. I know that's going to go out the window quick. So I have to see. The problem is with one, you can convince one of one thing they want, but inherently with siblings, yes. Even if one wants something, the other one's going to be contrary for the sake of it. Yes. So trying to find something that they both want yes. um, that's going to appease them and get what you want, which is quiet for 10 minutes, uh, is, is is a slippery slope. So I had to finally, they both said, we want to watch Amazing Spider-Man with Iceman. So I had to fire off that on YouTube for them. So they're watching, good. I think, an episode uh, of that. So yes. that's what it is. So it's very um, but yeah, the... To kind of keep going here, uh, yeah, Hannon's hair does change. It leads me to believe it was cut at some point or something happened. Uh, I wrote down something here. I can't remember what it was. Uh, I got a quote here. Uh, I can read eyes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what that's from, I, but there's a chicken story, and I can't remember the chicken story now all of a sudden. What, why am I drawing a blank on a chicken story? Is there a chicken story? There is a chicken story in this film. I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel bad now that I've forgotten the chicken story. But uh, I wrote it down. The chicken story is all I wrote down. I guess I was uh, banking on the fact that my fucking memory would be good. I don't know why I banked on that. That's a losing fucking battle. <laughs> Uh, and of course, you know, one of the great uh, YouTube lines in this film is comes from Fujiyama himself. Now, Fujiyama is the main heavy in the film, and Robert Zadar plays his um, main his main uh, henchman, Yama, Yamashita. <laughs> Yamashita. Uh, have you mentioned that we're, we're, they're passing Zadar off as Japanese in this? Yeah, well, they're trying to. Yeah, they're trying to pass him off as something. Yeah, but yeah. I, but but I did mention while you were gone that Zadar, you know, he's in it to win it for this film. He he's oh, yeah. and I'm sure you agree. He is not. He doesn't see this movie as a B movie, and and that's what I've always loved about Robert Zadar. Uh, I believe that you know he brings his A game to whatever grade film he's in, and that's what uh, Chris said oh, as well. That he even in a shit film, he uh, he he comes in and he treats it like it's the opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, he brings it. I mean, he brings it. That's one thing I was thinking too. Was as enjoyable as the film is. There's a few spots with the acting. It you you enjoy it in sort of a train wrecky way. But Zadar is you know a consummate professional in uh, in B movies. He always brings it. Yeah, and you and you miss Chris Chris's uh, impersonation of the samurai cop going bingo. But you'll get to hear that when you listen back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a classic moment. Anyway, uh, but anyway, Fujiyama he uh, he's got a great mullet. Uh, great mustache. Uh, he tries to pass himself off as a non-American individual when it's obvious he's American trying to play a Japanese individual. <laughs> he's like, officers, if you have anything against me, then book me. Otherwise, as they say, get the hell out of my face. <laughs> I'm like, who says that? <laughs> but yeah, you know, Joe Marshall and his buddy, man, they are aggressive cops. You know, they come in like, you motherfuckers need to uh i mean i'm i mean you know you dropping mf bombs in front of the ladies and and everything and matt hannon there's don't a fuck. lot of great points from from matt hannon this oh. film is chock full of this matt hannon is the personification of 
everything that maybe Shervan thought the American alpha male should be. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. This is his interpretation of what the American male was in the 80s. And after, yeah. after 10 years of action cinema, I can't blame him. Because in a lot of my you know, youth, that's what American men were. They were big dudes, big muscles, big guns. It fits totally with the pump and iron talk we had. Yeah, Top uh, Gun jacket on, the yeah. hair. I mean, <laughs> you know. Uh, and the um, the scene where he walks up on her after she gets out of church, and he's uh-huh. like, he's, she's like, you go to church. First of all, she's not wearing. A, I, I go. To, I've been to church. You don't wear dresses like that to church. But thank you, honey. <laughs> thank you for wearing that dress to church, baby. Uh, he walks up on her. He's like, oh, sure, I was in there. I was preaching. Didn't you see me? She's like, oh, you're kidding me. And then Hannah goes, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm like, who, who, who wrote this fucking dialogue, man? <laughs> That is like that. That's where some of the ineptness comes in. Is some of the dialogue, obviously, but yeah. that makes it so much fun because you never know what anybody's going to say, man. <laughs> well, it's the energy, right? Mm-hmm. It's, the dialogue is 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 um, ridiculous, but you know, when you get a filmmaker like Shervan or Arizal or these filmmakers that put their head down and they run from point A through the brick wall to point B with a glee and an energy, it makes that stuff fun and entertaining and. It's charming in the way it is because of the energy they bring to their filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. I love the also that scene at the uh, dinner table at the uh, Blue Moon Bar or whatever it was called. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the waiter because that scene to me is maybe the worst scene in the film. But, With uh, the best hair, oh, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> that guy was a producer on a few of Chervon's films. Yeah, well, that explains that, why he's in the film anyway. Yeah. He, he went to the Italian, uh, the, Ita- the home, Italian homosexual school of acting. Yes, he's Italian film he's, um, homosexual. Uh, the same guy's got a bigger role in uh, ki- Killing American Style as well, <laughs> nice. which is the, yeah. the kind of follow-on from uh, <laughs> Samurai Cop. By but sure, man. The uh, the uh, the the reaction scene of uh, Robert Zadar when uh, Manhattan comes into the restaurant and is talking shit. The intensity of Zadar's hatred for Matt Hannon is unbelievable. I mean, it just looks like he just took a shit right there sitting next to his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. It's like he squatted down on the table and took a shit on his plate. I mean, you see it. Dude. I gotta watch like... what I say. My kid's in the room. Yeah. <laughs> but the... Uh, the uh... <laughs> so if, I P- if I PG it up here from here on in, you'll know why. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, the look on his face is classic. And what also, there's one other in that moment. I love that... Uh, that Zadar has been talking about Matt Hannon, the samurai cop, for like 40 minutes. And then, like, for some strange reason, 50 or 60 minutes in, he brings up that it seems the police have this samurai cop. <laughs> it seems like he just rediscovered it. <laughs> he, does, he refers to him as the, the kid. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like Fujiyama's there, too, and he's like, hmm, you take care of this. You know? Or as they say, get the hell out of my face. Um, so they, I'll just wrap it up by saying the Katana fight in this is the stuff of legend uh, when it comes to uh, B and Z grade cinema it has some of the greatest fast motion I mean fucking Isaac, Isaac Florentine weeps at the, the mere idea that he could shoot something as glorious as the Katana battle at the end of this film well what's great is Sean pulls the camera out wide like a Leone-esque yeah, he does. Uh, final showdown what's <laughs> What's amazing about that, though, I think it's um, that scene is the they start off kind of in the middle of like a load of bushes and trees, and then it cuts, and they're kind of in an open area with some still some trees, and it cuts again, and then there's just like 
no vegetation around them whatsoever. <laughs> no. I desolate land. And what's awesome too is the music in that scene is like something that would be in like a, a, a film about Greek mythology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's like synthy Greek mythology music. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, and I, I love the reaction shots of the partner and stuff. Like, what is he doing? He's a samurai. You know, and as you guys know, I mean, I love samurai cinema and stuff. And this one's, this one's obviously not the same as any other samurai film, but it is. It does have, in its own bizarre little way, uh, the sense of code that that belonged to the samurai yeah. <laughs> in some weird way. And uh, yeah, it was. It's going to be really hard for me to come up with a make or break for this. So I'm hoping I. I still haven't <laughs> written one down, but I'm going to hope I, I can. So. All right, whoever wants to go next, go ahead. Uh, just to kind of keep you guys ahead, uh, uh, though, it's already, I know Will knows this, but it's already 730, yeah. and we need to kind of keep it cut. Okay, cool. uh, I got a little. It's your show. I have a lot to say, but if you want to say a few things, I'm happy to. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll just try and pick out a few things. Um, I need to mention the sex scenes. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, Matt Hannon's pants uh, in the first sex scene. Just absolutely disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you've got some kind of fake sax playing in the background like a synthy kind of sax oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the, uh, when they have sex they don't seem to take their underwear off either yeah 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 well you can just you can kind of just push it to the side a little bit you can still get in there yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's what Waller did. I heard anyway. But. Yeah, <laughs> he just pulled it to the side and was like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, "He better have those fingernails, Jim, bro." Yeah, hope he isn't wearing his weightlifting rings. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got uh, the 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 Zidar getting out of the basket scene. He chops off a guy's head, and that's the smallest, lightest head. <laughs> I've ever seen, and, yeah. and the, the the least bloody decapitation I've ever seen as well on, on film. What that is, like is zero blood. That's the so fo- sort of wipes his hands after. Doing <laughs> yeah. it. That's the foam placement for uh, Matt Hannon's wig. Is what that is. You know those those foam heads they have. That's what it looks like. It is. Um, it is. And you don't even chop it off. He kind of saws it off, and it's kind of a weird yeah. weird moment. Um, I've got another line from the film uh, from Matt Hannon. What's an all-American girl like you doing with a geek like this? <laughs> I love that line. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, there's a dude getting his arm cut off. Um, just his reaction to getting his arm cut off and the actual arm on the floor, just amazing. Um, oh, there's a scene with uh, Okamura, um, who's the other kind of henchman along with Zadar, and he's... Um, in bed in his pants um, and Matt Hannon sort of peering through the window and he kind of runs off grabs his clothes and then the next time you see him he's fully clothed still running away and it's just like <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's amazing um, uh, yeah and I've got a note about the editing as well it just the way it's done you've got a, a couple of scenes where you have like maybe two or three people in a scene and then it's just sort of single headshots and reaction shots and I'm just wondering if anybody else was around when they were filming these scenes and I think that's where maybe some of the woodenness might come from is because they've they're being forced to act and there's no nothing to kind of react to because these these shots are just them in you know head and shoulders in shot and cutting from 
one of these shots to another shot and there's no kind of joining shot of the two people in the same scene and it's just kind of you know just bizarre yeah um, it is and I made a note saying there's no logic to the movie it just the, the edits are just kind of bizarre <laughs> which we sort of touched on <laughs> yeah. um, we've got a Zadar sex scene yes um, and it, it kind of <laughs> looks like he's a fish nibbling at some food almost he's sort of like a, <laughs> 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 let, let me add man the kissing sound effects in this movie are repulsive yeah. <laughs> there's um, just generally the there's a lot of dubbing of yeah. kind of uh, henchmen and secondary characters, which all sound, sound like it's the same guy, which must have just been done in the same afternoon. <laughs> they hired some guy to do all the kind of secondary dubbing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, um, oh, there's the, the oil scene where Zidar's uh, pouring the oil and um, <laughs> the chick is just, sort of being held down but there's no reaction she sort of like screams a little bit but she's still kind of coherent and talking and you're like thinking if i was if i had burning oil being poured on my body i'd i'd just be a mess you know yeah and i'd be screaming was that, was that butter or was it supposed to be butter because they cut it was, the frying pan shot and it was yellow but then when he pours it it's it's, it's water but was it supposed uh, to be butter it's some kind of hot oil or hot oil on the puss uh, yeah, yeah pretty rough <laughs> fun for more um oh uh so yeah uh the second um matt hannon sex scene goes on forever it just yeah. <laughs> it's just going on and on you're like when's this gonna end it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah i think that's that's pretty much all of my notes done there <laughs> nice okay nice. i'm gonna pare down four pages of notes in about two minutes so <laughs> bear with me i can't do this from the justice it necessarily deserves um, let me just, okay, so we've talked about a lot of the great stuff already in this, and, um, oh yeah, one of the opening lines when we see Hannon swing into the, the film is, um, his partner says to him, are you sure this is a good enough bust? And Hannon just says two words, yeah, cocaine. And he, just, <laughs> you know, he proceeds to just romp. Um, cocaine. I don't know if you guys have, cocaine, I don't know if you guys have talked about the, the, uh, the the mystical van that the katana gang drives <laughs> no we have but it, not. it's pretty great because you know most times you get greek mythology centaurs warrior women but this van has a storm cloud with spotlights and lightning on the side of it <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty interesting looking van owned by a meteorologist uh, obviously oh clearly uh this is another joe in a long line of great joes in film especially that have mastered the eastern arts uh, i.e. Joe the Dudikoff from American Ninja. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe's, Joe's mane, speaking of Joe's, is better than Joe Lara's mane. He's got an incredible mane. And I'll tell you, uh, Matt Hannon looks to me a lot like the love child of Joe Lara, Fabio, and Steve Carell. Like, yeah, so man. They had a there, child. There is a taste of Carell in that milkshake, isn't there? It totally is. Um, <laughs> I should have just seen a picture which looks like it could be Corell <laughs> oh I'm telling you even Fa- Fabian's uh, picture it always it's always Corell to me um, uh, this yeah this is one I, I was looking forward to seeing I hadn't seen it in probably three or four years 
Um, so I was glad to do get into it again. There is going to be a Shervon box set, which I posted on the Facebook group, which is, as you can hear, my kids are descending into fisticuffs. Yeah, I hear um, it. There's going to be a Shervon box set soon, nice. which is great. Um, I love that when they're referring to Joe, that they say he got his, oh, hang on here. <laughs> Speaking of martial arts training in Japan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? Daddy. What, Bob? <laughs> it's seven minutes long, honey. It's not long. Just listen, I'm going to put on Ralph in about two minutes, as soon as I'm off. <laughs> can, I, is that, can I promise you that? I'm just getting off right now, Bob. Just press play, honey. Let him finish what he's watching, okay? No. All right, then I'm going to come on. You're going to get a boat tea. <laughs> I'll be a boat tea for this, but... Just press play, please. I'm almost done. I promise. <laughs> can, I, can I have the remote? Daddy's going to take the remote. <laughs> then press play, please. I'm not wanting to. Then close no. your eyes. What can I say? Press play, William. He's waiting. <laughs> okay. So, uh, now that I've... That'll last about 30 seconds, probably. Yes. Um... <laughs> so they, the Joe has been trained in the way of the Eastern Masters, which is great. Um, and I love that Sinar says, basically, because what's his boss's name? Is it no? He's Yamashita. His boss says to him, "You know, you need to find out about this Joe guy, basically." And he goes, "I'll get to know him. Then we'll see who the real samurai is." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is incredible. And the boss wants Joe's head on this piano. He says he wants to display the yeah. head on the piano. <laughs> yeah, which is fantastic. Um, that's when Zadar says, sorry, Zadar says, yeah, I will bring you his head and I will place it on that piano. <laughs> That's right, man. Zadar is willing to oblige. Um, there's the whole circumcised exchange with the nurse, which is great. I can't get into too much with my youngest son in the room. Yes. Um, I love that every, he is such a hound in this, Joe is. Every woman, he just shameless, he's like Arnold, right? Yeah, he is. He's like Arnold. It's every woman in this. It's it, really fantastic. It was the 80s, man. It was the 80s, and they were down with the ladies, yeah. like Tom Loke once said. Yep. I love how they call the guy that's in the hospital, they call him the burn man. <laughs> so one of the nurses or someone refers to him as the burn man, <laughs> which is great. Um, we get the Zadar gurney cam. It's like the POV from him inside the gurney at one point, yeah. <laughs> which is incredible. What doesn't make sense to me is when a police officer is guarding the burn man, and he yells out when he sees it, it's been beheaded. He goes, call security. <laughs> You're a police officer, aren't you? Yeah. That's well, amazing. Uh, that's debatable yeah. as opposed to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy had a tight perm, didn't he? Yeah, it was yeah. tight. Real tight. Tight girl. Uh, Steve. I think his name was Steve. Wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> well, that it explains everything. Every Steve I've ever <laughs> known has had a tight perm. <laughs> and then, of course, Zadar and his ginger uh, mistress, the convertible cavalier for the getaway. Yes. <laughs> Isn't and my Zidane's son like waving pulled, or something, isn't he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> my son just pulled Takashi Miike's Dead or Alive off my shelf. <laughs> nice. It's called Dead or Alive, honey. Why? Why? Uh, that's in story for another day. <laughs> yeah. Many years. From now. Many years from now. Uh, many years from now. Uh, Han and baby, I'm always in. Uh, what does katana mean? It means Japanese. So <laughs> yes. Um, there's a lot of Swiss bank account bo Swiss bank accounts, bodies in garbage bags talk. Um, yeah. yeah, you guys mentioned the all American. What's an all American girl doing with a geek like that line? That whole thing when he walks in, he just slams everyone in the in the uh, the restaurant is fantastic. It is. Um, when 
there's the amazing Caprice classic getting just wet up with, <laughs> with paintballs scene, <laughs> which is am- you guys probably already talked about that. And Zadar, I can't I can't say the word because Zadar hates Chevys. He does. And he shoots that car up, man. Because you know, as he says, they have to respect the code of silence. <laughs> yes. Um, my favorite moment in the film comes when. Uh, maybe not my favorite. It's an embarrassment of riches. When uh, Joe and his partner are talking about uh, their bum, I have to say bum, their bum being burned, and he goes, yeah, it'll be charcoal black, and they go right on, and they give each other daps. (laughs) I love that moment. They refer back to the black ass thing later again. It's very bizarre. (laughs) They do. I told uh, Chris while you you were off the air, I was like, this movie is obsessed with uh, male genitalia, yeah and and male asses i mean this movie is just totally obsessed with male sexual body parts i mean it's just insane it is not not unlike pumping iron yeah, a little bit, yeah. um there was a really great yarn lion head that decorated someone's yes. wall in this yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that lion head was incredible this i'll get just a couple more notes like i said i could go on about this one for two hours there's a like a strip club or kind of restaurant fight that's got the worst baseball bat wielder in the history of cinema. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. That dude wields that bat like he's catching butterflies with a butterfly net. Like, it's just amazing. I always think about uh, Zadar always seems to be in films with his bad nightclub fights. <laughs> yeah, he always is in bad nightclub fights. Um, Zadar in the leathers at the back end of the film, which is great. Um what a treat of the week. I mean, we get Joe and his high cut speedo. It's, it's really fantastic. And, um, Oh, what is this? Uh, there's some bizarre minstrelly kind of hip hop, like, a <laughs> like old timey music mixed in with hip hop. It's, it's very bizarre. Eight bit hot licks in this. Yes. Sounds like Nintendo hot licks. Yes. Um, bulletproof vest. I'll mention that. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, Samurai Cup loves to make out. And uh, oh, there's a, this is the last thing I'll say. I think this is as good a notice as any to leave on as much as I have more. What a hog Zadar has. There's a scene when he's, he's walking towards the camera. He's got his black jeans on with his black leather jacket. Man, and that thing's like taped to his knee. <laughs> have to it's wonder, just incredible. Have man. to wonder if Siobhan gave him a little something special. But maybe, maybe, he's, maybe he's packing. Maybe a little fluff. Yeah, yeah but you know, it's. Well, hey, I mean, you know, Star does know the code of the Bushido, right? So it's, it's appropriate that he's wielding a katana like that. <laughs> yes. And now he's got the howling off the shelf. Yes. Nice, nice. The howling, bub? All right. Dazed and confused. Also, Will, I just have to ask you because I asked Chris this. Were you uncomfortable with the relieve you of this gift, this black gift line? <laughs> when they, when they, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is that all about? <laughs> I was like, whoa. Anyway, uh, okay, so MVT's make or breaks. I'm gonna think my make or break is gonna be the. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, ooh, that's a tough one, man. <sighs> I gotta go. Well, I talked about it. I, I championed it quite a bit, so I'll go with the laundry hamper scene. Uh, Zadar coming out of the hamper like a <laughs> like a special effect. Uh, I just really love the way he comes out, and of course, like Chris says, the way he goes back in. It's classic. She's a pretty pretty muscular, ginger-headed lady, man, to move the Zadar around so easily. I gotta say. Uh, My MVT for this film is Robert Zadar. I could probably give it to Matt Hannon, to be honest with you, because I doubt that he would ever... I mean, I don't see him in that other film probably being part of it, but I would have to give it to Zadar, though, because I just feel like he... I don't know, he owns what he's in, so I really love him in the film. 
<laughs> My score for the film is a. <laughs> yeah, good luck, Will. <laughs> Having a two I and a mute. I'm muting it so you can get your words in. Yeah. Uh, my score for the film, and you have to remember, as we always talk about with these type of films, I mean, it is what this type of film is. And uh, my score for this film is a straight eight out of 10. I think this film is one of the best types of film of its genre. And uh, I'll stand by that till the day I die. Uh, the people can rate this thing badly blows my mind. Uh, they obviously you're comparing it against great films, and I don't think you can compare Samurai Cop against great films. You got to compare Samurai Cop against what it was made to be, which was this purely entertaining uh, cop movie. And just the, I think for that it deserves the eight out of ten. It's purely entertaining. I I am never bored watching Samurai Cop. I've seen it now a handful of times, and it's never bored me once. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> so that's my thoughts on Samurai Cup. Uh, Chris, will oh, uh, I go first? Yeah, you go uh, ahead. Yeah. Yes, and I'm uh, trying to just uh, take the lion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, my make or break is basically the pacing and specifically the first kind of five minutes because that kind of sets you up for the whole film. Really, um, you've got mullets, beards, mustaches. Zadar pulling a, a huge knife out of his sleeve. Um, <laughs> some pretty poor martial arts. Uh, car chase, explosion, double denim, <laughs> the crazy editing, and the coke bust. You know? Yes. And it, 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 that's all in kind of five minutes. And so you know what you're kind of in for, really, with the rest of the film. Um, my MVT... Uh, uh, as much as I'd like to say it was uh, Matt Hannon's hair, um, <laughs> I'm going to have to go with uh, Robert Zadar because, yes. yeah, he's just, you know, he's just brilliant every scene. He's just, like we said earlier, just the, he brings his A game to every scene. He just plays it totally straight. And yeah. um, he's in there. He's He is that character. He's not an actor in a film. He is, um, you know, that guy. Uh saying i'll bring you his head and i will place it on that piano (laughs) (laughs) i I love that i will place it on that piano i can just i can imagine him talking to amir shivan and being like dude i know exactly what you're looking for in this (laughs) (laughs) he worked with him like what three or four times so i mean you know yeah well he's in killing american style i don't know if he's in the other kind of lost he might not be. Yeah, he might not be. I don't know. Gypsy or the other one? Yeah, Gypsy and uh, is it Young Rebels? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I can't wait for that box set. That's a day one purchase. Yeah, I have that to agree. Sorcerer Blu-ray are my two most anticipated releases. Z- Zadar, Zadar is in Gypsy with uh, Stuart Whitman. Oh, nice. And Harold Diamond. And also um, in and Harold uh, Diamonds. Kill- yep. Yeah, Killing American Style. You got Locks in Harold Diamond. And, yeah, and, he's in, and Jim Brown. And he's in. Yeah. Uh, he's a uh, Zadar's in Young Rebels too. So I'm telling you, I, oh, think, wow. oh. I think they had a they they developed so from Samurai Cop, Shivan's four films in a row. Zadar's with him every time. So nice. Bobby D and Scores and Marty. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, sorry, Chris. I love what you were saying there. About Did you give it a Zadar's. score? Did you give it a score? I don't remember. I don't uh, know. Oh, no, no, sorry. Um, probably slightly higher than you, Sammy. Yeah, 8.25. Nice. It's, you know, it's infinitely rewatchable, really. You know? It really is. Yeah. It's just something new every time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I still haven't chosen to make or break, but I guess I'm going to go with the last kind of... Maria! Hang on, please. One sec, Bob. <laughs> I can't, man. You've got your work with me. Just just one minute, please. Oh, my gosh. Patience. You're killing me. You're killing me. What's going on? Can I take you to the top of the building? Well, there. Where is this? This is Wreck-It Ralph. It's just a game. I can put the game on my phone for you, honey. Uh-huh. Want me to put the game on my phone? No, it's just like somewhere else. Okay, I'll take you there. Okay. Cool. All right. I should have said that in the beginning. Of the- <laughs> yeah, I know. I should know. I caught the play already, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my wife has this thing where they're, can you buy me that? And she'll just go, yep. And, you know, it's one of those Let's things. Move on. Right? <laughs> move on. Um Make it like the last kind of scene with the, the you know the, the the showdown with the swords and and uh, apparently apparently um, they didn't quite understand the code of of the samurai because um, Hannon Matt Hannon would have been um, Zadar's second but he wouldn't have initiated the thing right because Zadar has to get on his knees and do the whole you know dagger but I guess it, it must have that's just from the American code a little different than the Japanese code. Um, my MBT is Shervan. I mean, as much as Zadar is great, yeah. Hannon's great, Hannon's hair is great, um, Shervan brings it, man. And this is the kind of director that, you know, this kind of film in the wrong hands could have been dull, right? But when you get a filmmaker that brings an energy to his films like Shervan, um, it translates into something that's highly entertaining, highly rewatchable. Um, my score for this film is an 8.5. Nice. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just such an amazing film. I mean, it's, it's Pantheon, you know, that word yeah. I don't like to throw around. It's Pantheon Stabilizer, Parole Violators, it is. Stone Cold, Raiders of Atlantis. The only thing I would say that for me, I still prefer Stabilizer, uh, Lethal Hunter, uh, those films. The only reason I think I give those points, uh, those films a little bit more than this is this one doesn't quite have the insane, like, yeah. death-defying stunts that, yeah. that those films do, yeah. where, where life is cheap, <laughs> right? So they, yeah. they do a little more stunt work. That's the only thing that I'll, I'll 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 nick this film a little bit for, but otherwise, man, you can't you know, this film can hang with the big boys. I agree. I totally agree, man. Um, I think if that toward the end does doesn't Zadar say, "Do you know the code of the Bushita?" Doesn't he say Bushita when does I think he, he Bushita? I think he means Bushido. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he certainly does. Yeah, but I believe if I'm not, I could be wrong. I think he says Bushita. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Which is awesome. But uh, I just love the way he talks in the film. Uh, Chris did a great oh, impersonation, great. too, with the, I'll put it on that piano. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way he talks, and it's just great. Yeah. It seems they have a samurai cop. All right, so that is our big show. I'm gonna. We're not gonna do pleasantries because Will's gonna. <laughs> Will's gonna take a nut shot if he doesn't get moving. Uh, so uh, we definitely need to just kind of move along. But this Chris, is why is seven o'clock is the sweet spot? Usually. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I'm getting ready to feel your pain. I can hear stirring in the other room, so I'm getting ready to get down. Um. Uh. Okay. Um. Yeah, Chris, thanks so much for uh, programming the show. Thank you so much for coming on the show, being part of the group, man. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, it was great to have you on, uh, finally. And, uh, yeah, like I say, the door's open. Whenever you can come back on again, we'll get you back on again, man. Yeah, definitely, man, definitely. All right, so thanks. It's been a blast. (laughs) Uh, I guess that's uh, everything, Will. If you're ready, I'm ready, so I'll say... Oh, I, before you say that, I want to also say thanks to Chris. Chris, I'm sorry the show got hijacked by my two um, forces of nature. Guys, can you no, say no worries, thanks, man. Say, say bye, Chris. Have a great day. Have a great day.
Yeah. yeah. It's well, a nice hey, bike, guys. Uh, hey, you know what you should do, Will? You should dress up Will, uh, Little William, and uh, Braden as Samurai Cop and Hollywood Cop. That's your for. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, man, and I can go as Sidar, I can go as Yamashita. Yeah, you grow the beard. You got the beard. You can grow the beard. I've seen the beard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I should do that, man. Let, let me also idea. say, I didn't say what we were covering next week. I definitely got to say that part. We can't do our pleasantries. Yes. But next week is our Diabolic DVD episode. Uh, my turn to program. We are doing uh, Rennie Harlan's Prison. And um, what the fuck was the other film, Will? The Screen, the screen Factory Blu-ray, right? Yeah, the Screen Factory Blu-ray for Rennie, uh, Rennie Harlan's Prison. And, uh, oh, we're doing uh, Barbarian Sound Studio. Neither one of us has right. seen it, and uh, we both wanted to, and we had an opportunity, so we're going to review it. So we don't do new films yeah. very often, but it's fun to do them. So especially when it's a Jali esque, yeah. Film. So that's what we're doing next uh, week: uh, Barbarian Sound Studio in prison. <laughs> yeah, but thanks, thanks, Chris, again, man. You know what the show is all about. I mean, you nailed it with the programming. It's <laughs> yes, you get it, right? Do. So I mean, <laughs> it's been a blast. Like I said, we got to have you on. Maybe we'll start recording at four a.m. Well. So my uh, dynamos will be still maybe asleep because it's yeah. it, you know it's great talking film with you and I didn't get to give you the time I would have liked to so you know forgive me for that. Uh, but. No worries, no worries, man. I know what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So with that, I will say adios. Adios. Okay, guys. Say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207 and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com 